Welcome. Cheers to episode. That's not how we start the shows. There's no way. I, I say cheers to episode 44. What the f are you trying to Right in about? the beginning? Yes. Evan, right? That's yeah, we've done, no, this is episode 44, and we've done it the same way 43 times. Well, I've messed it up once or twice, but not the cheers part. I always say cheers and then. Cheers! To episode 44. Cheers. Oh. Cheers. Smirnoff Seltzers. Got some uh, Johnny Walker Black. Do not hurt me, please. Yeah, that, um, that I got like, some classic bush light. I feel like a chick after I just said Smirnoff Seltzers. Now it's going Johnny Walker. Listen, all I had left over that, that sounded good right now. Tonight is Monday, November 1st. Not Sunday, Monday, November 1st. 7.12 p.m. and... It's 2021. 2021, and you guys take it away. And what? And Michigan State wins the battle at the woodshed. And what, Evan? And what? Hunt for Red October? We get Paul Bunyan back in East Lansing? He stays home? And? Well, that, that was like, I wanted just to give you guys the and, you know? Yeah, I just wanted to see how has more to say. Yeah. Just. And Mel Tucker has huge, big stones. <laughs> okay, okay. This is going to be a highly anticipated reaction show to the biggest game in the rivalry series between Michigan and Michigan State. That is going to lead the show. We're not going to tiptoe around, oh, how was your week? What's new? Well, no, this happened this weekend. And also our weekend. This is our whole weekend. Our, our whole weekend. weekend this is our this. this is the this is our whole fall basically. Well, there's still fall to go. This is my month. Um, we'll we'll rope in some of the atmosphere and how the weekend was in into the recap. But we're just going to start off with the game. I guess the most natural place to start is me teeing up to you guys. How did it feel waking up today on a victory Monday after after being on the right side of that victory? Uh, I felt a lot better, you know, going to class was a little bit easier today. A little pep in your step. Um, yeah, a little pep in your step, a little confidence wearing the Michigan State colors around campus. Um, reading Twitter wasn't like heartbreaking and depressing. Uh, it was actually a joy and there's still trolling out there with some of the stuff that's transpired on social media. So it feels good to be on the good side of all of that. Yeah, vibes are high. Vibes are high. Mondays suck. But you know, today, this Monday, it didn't it didn't suck as bad. You know it was a good game for Alex because his voice is I lost it at the game if you can't tell. Shattered. Shattered right now. I did a lot of yelling. You lost it at the Lions game, let's be honest. Well, I wish that was the case, but no. no there was some hard wasn't. there was no yelling needed at the Lions game. There was some hard, hard boots. Uh at the Lions game. That no one cares about. Anyways. To to me, well, obviously this is the last couple of days have just been a torture chamber of um, taking some, trying to take some positives away from the game as a Michigan fan, but also overwhelmingly just being saying old story. Like, why do you expect anything to be really different? Um, it just kind of happened a little bit earlier in the season than it has in, in past devastating years for for Michigan. So we can get. I'll, I'll have more for for Michigan fans a little bit later, but I wanted to start out with a question. For both of us, um, where – so obviously I'm on the losing end. You guys are on the winning end. Where does this win rank as an MSU fan? Now, 
we can try to work together and narrow down what time frame we're talking about because obviously like it has to be our lifetime and it probably has to be since like 2010 if we're really being like coherent just go d'antonio era and on you know like because yeah I, I like that so we're like 10 so like Damn where does story. this win rank satisfaction wise maybe i mean you can take it your personal enjoyment from the game, um, overall importance, I feel like it'd be a little bit different, but you can take it however you want. Where does this game rank as a win for a Michigan State fan? We're probably going to go first. We're going to probably differ, I think, on this one. Well, that's good for the show. For me, um, let me think. It's probably like three or four. On the list, I'd say. Oh, the tough reaction from Evan. I knew he wouldn't like that. I mean, Big Ten Championship game against Iowa, I was there. Which Evan declared this game already bigger. Evan was than also game. there. We went together, but he, shout out Butler freshman year. Dorms. That game was super exhilarating. Crazy last minute touchdown. Everyone knows it. The trouble with the snap game is still up there, just because I was at that game as well. And that just, was also seven Michigan State versus twelve Michigan, so big yeah, importance there. Big game and just. My, like being in the stadium for that, my reaction that was that was nuts. And the only other game I think that could get in this conversation, other than the one Saturday, would be uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, with the backup QBs when they uh, went into Columbus and won on the game with field goal. That game was also pretty wild. But I would say all those are probably pretty interchangeable. So it's somewhere in the top four. I mean, it's definitely, definitely up there. Can you give us a concrete answer, though? That was that was a coach speak. I need like, just just do it. I know they're all your children. You love them all the same. But just can you just give us a good old one, two, three, four? Three. This is three? It would be three. Which one's it ahead of? I think uh, Trouble with the Snap is one. Big Ten Championship game, two. This three Ohio State game four. Give us this that is by one. far hands down number one. That's Slightly funny. behind it is uh, the Rose Bowl. Oh, Stanford. Yeah, that's feeling that's fifth for me. That feels like a miss on your end. It's fifth for me. Um, one like I said games. beforehand, this is the biggest game in recent Michigan State football history. Um, it's not even close. True. And I put it. I'm ranking this number one solely because. Of the matchup, top 10 matchup, and is against your arch rival. If this was a, a top 10 matchup against Wisconsin or Ohio State and you win it, will it matter? Yes, but it doesn't matter as much because you're going against Michigan and a lot on the season rides in this game. Yeah, and I would also say, I mean, your hate for Michigan grows very, very deep. deep, deep. Correct. So this this is personal for you. Personal for me, but it's more personal for you. Yeah. And um, did I, I mean, I was like younger for all the other games. Did I get emotional out of them? Yes, but. Did you cry for this game? The way that this. No, I did not cry for this oh, game. Just but, an I mean, after, well, I mean, we'll get to it, but like the scenes afterwards inside the stadium, what was transpiring after, like in the student section and everything. I mean, it's something because the anticipation building up for this game for like two weeks. It's something that I don't think any of us have experienced. Um, maybe the bowl games. But other than that, like the Ohio State game, all of a sudden Connor Cook's not in. Um, talking about the snap, it was one play. It wasn't a whole week transpired up to it. Yeah, it was the same team. There was a lot of hype that week. But that was just like that one play, like, obviously changed college football history. But I just like the anticipation building up to it, I don't think was as great as this one. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, we were all sitting on the edge of our seats just figuring out what time this game was going to kick off. That's true. We That's how much we were all where does it Where does it rank in games you've seen in person in terms of like college football on the field? Was on that the, the field best game you've ever one. seen? And I don't even know if it's close. Best game you've ever seen in person, hands down. Yes. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. I mean, this game was honestly up there with like – I don't know, because I, 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 I don't go to as many cultural games in person as you guys have over the years. Butler did not have a good football team. So, like, this is probably top 10. I might be doing this injustice that I even can have seen on TV since, like, the last five years or something. Like, it's, it's, it stands out with, like, just random games you get invested in, like, the Rose Bowl between Georgia and Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield all-time game. Um, a couple of Michigans, like Michigan, Ohio State, twenty sixteen, like great back and forth game. Like it's up there with Georgia, Alabama college football championship game, um, Tua. Like it's just up there with a back and forth emotional game. Like someone that that it rivals this year. If it's not the best game in college football this year so far, the only other second would be Texas Oklahoma Red River shootout, and those teams don't even play defense. So it's almost like. I don't know. This one stands. One's four and four. This, one, this game's number. This one stands toe to toe. It's like it's an unbelievable game. Just watching you had Gus Johnson on the call. I mean, we can dive into it now. We're getting into the nitty gritty because we got time, boys. Like, talk to me about. Wait, wait. We have to go to the flip side, Grant. You, you have to tell us where it ranks for you as a loss. Do you want to do that before yeah, the yeah. atmosphere of the game? Yeah, just just give just give a little sprinkle in there what you're really thinking. So I went in the, on ESPN. I started in 2015 when Harbaugh took over because that's where I based it off of. Because everything before then was just like bad, bad losses, pathetic, barely over 500 football with one uh, gifted Sugar Bowl appearance. Um, 2015. I'm just gonna go in order and then I'll tell you where I slotted in. 2015. There was a heartbreaking loss, like you said, trouble with the snap. Number seven MSU versus number 12 U of M. 2016. Another devastating loss that I really have not even thought about or. Choose I you know how there's some losses I'm I would be curious guys if you have any off the top of your head that you kind of like force out of your memory bank like oh that didn't happen like that 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 game that I watched doesn't really exist do you guys have any of those that you can think of like from Michigan State where you almost just someone tells you about it, like oh yeah that game you mean that were exciting or just like shit? I'm trying to think like the year you guys went to the playoff it ended good so it may not sting as much but I feel like that Nebraska game you guys just like oh yeah we don't talk about that I don't relive that game that was one of the worst losses in my whole life. So 2016, number three Michigan goes to Iowa and loses 14 to 13. That's a game that I couldn't even tell you like a single play from besides like their winning field goal. Like I don't acknowledge that game. I couldn't tell you like I was looking at the stats today. Will and Spate threw for a hundred yards. I was like, God, that had to be disgusting to watch. I just remember young Grant or high school Grant predicting that Michigan would lose that game because winning at Iowa is always We're scary at night. Yeah. Okay. So college freshman year college Grant. Was like winning at I no sophomore year college grant was like winning at Iowa is tough freshman no because you guys went to the playoff your freshman year sophomore sophomore grant I was thinking about the Nebraska game I was a freshman on campus and then yeah it's tough 2016 later that year obviously Michigan number three Michigan at number two OSU LeBron and his friends in the stands which just made it worse for me that loss is tough 2018 number four Michigan Home versus number 10 OSU, favored in that rivalry for probably the first time in forever. Blues 62-39 to against Haskins. And then 2019, 
Um, number 11, U of M at number 13, Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor runs for over 200 yards against um, Michigan, and that's just kind of like an embarrassment on the national stage early in the year. And then obviously you have 2019 Ohio State. You have a like, ton of these, man. Wow. There's a lot. And then you could also go 2015 um, Ohio State with Rudock. Ezekiel Elliott ran for over 200 yards against Michigan in the big house, and that was just a nightmare game. Um, you can sprinkle in something against Penn State, Notre Dame, whatever you want to do. But this was this is the definitive power ranking, and I, I stand by this, and I'd be curious to see how Michigan fans feel. I think they might agree. So number one by far is Ohio State, 2016. That game was that sucked. That was like great team. And then surprise, this might surprise people, but I still think number two would be Ohio State 2018, just because Michigan was favored in that game. Um, Justin Fields was not there yet. They were Michigan was supposed to have things going right, favored at home, and you just get absolutely embarrassed as the number four team in the country. And JT Barrett, who's the quarterback? Haskins. Haskins. Um, Sixty-two points on your head, like just super embarrassing. And then this this game, so high praise for this game. Number three is Michigan State 2021. It, it hurt more, I think, than the trouble with the snap game because even 2015 Harbaugh's first year, you're like excited about it, but still it's like, okay, it's going to have – at that point, you're thinking he's going to have a successful 10-year. You're going to win a Big Ten championship within seven years. Like things are going right. And I knew Michigan – I'm not dumb, as we'll get to later with some Michigan fans. I know Michigan State's a good football program, and I knew Connor Cook was good. So I'm not going to be like, oh, it's going to be – cakewalk for Michigan in that game. I, I knew this one would be tight, but this one, as opposed to the trouble with the snap one, like I feel like Michigan dominated this game at points a little bit more than the trouble with the snap game. And that one was more of a shock. So this one's third. Long story short, this one's the third toughest, I think, under Harbaugh's era. Um, but saving it is that there's still season left to be played. If there, if there wasn't, then it'd probably be like a little bit higher. Um, but what attributed, you know, a big part of this game and what made it so great was the atmosphere, like I talked about. Um, we can start wherever you guys want. Tell me, like, I don't know how, to, like, the the high points. So I guess for people's backstory, uh, the three of us and a, I mean, a ton of people, we were tailgating on campus, got there early. I'll briefly hop in there. And, it, you know, assuming as things progress here, Mel Tucker is legit and there's going to be big games for years to come in East Lansing. MSU police has got to figure out a better game day plan for people to get around campus. Cause from what I heard, cause we, we didn't get to see much. Cause obviously there was only so many roads we'd go on. I heard they had like so many roads shut down that it just made it impossible. I think um, our buddy Kyle Austin, I didn't see it, but someone said on a podcast I listened to that Kyle Austin had a great tweet that said uh, about the atmosphere. He said, you basically need a helicopter to get to start stadium today. Like it was just like a zoo around the area that like, you couldn't get near it unless you were on foot. Like Edmund, you guys were, um, so yeah. that sucked, but then the good, you know, you get the tailgate going and then talk to me about when you guys leave, I guess, from our tailgate. Cause that's where our, the, the game day atmosphere takes over. Just walking to, to the stadium and all that long walk. Um, that's when the nerves really hit me. So, I mean, I was hyper-focused walking to the game, like left foot, right foot, just trying to think about anything. Trying to sober yourself up probably to get a little bit, stadium. but like just trying to think like, wow, I mean, just don't think about the game. Just get to the game. You know, try not to get too nervous. I walked up the, you know, out the little tunnel up to my seats. Then it started to hit me. See all the players on the field. Started really, uh, you know, chest is beating. Looked at a friend of the podcast, Cody. And uh, he's all, you know, excited. Not He's worried about if he has cash for the melting moments. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, 
I can't think about anything except this football game right now. And he's like, but do you have cash for the melting moments? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. No melting moments today. Like, I'm worried about the game. He went to pee and he didn't come back for like 25 minutes. So I just basically just sat there and was just taking it all in by myself. And then when I really, when it hit me was everyone stood up for like introductions. No one sat for the whole game. And then this section, everyone's like a boomer. They always want you sitting down. People complain if you're standing up. No one was uh, sitting. Everyone stood the whole entire game, which is wild. Do they do like starter introductions for like college football like this? Like, they like announce, they don't come out, but they announce the starters on the screen. Gotcha. Do a little video. So I was just taking that in by myself as a friend of the program was worried about ice cream sandwiches. Um, how much time was left on like the clock, like pregame, when you like eventually got to like your seat? Thirty-two minutes. If you remember, thirty-two minutes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy memory. Shout out to Alex for that. Yeah. That's a that's a solid like get in early a little bit, you know. Got them. Um, oh yeah, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to think introduction, about introductions, swag surfing, the flyover. Let's applaud the flyover. Incredible. Was it? Was it? Oh, flyover. Good flyover. It's awesome. Love yeah. flyovers. Stealth bomber. Uh, two, they were two, uh, F-16s. I remember the names of them. Feels like an F-16. They? I, they were a little bit different. They weren't like the normal flyover. They were basically yeah. touching as they flew over. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty sweet. Um, so your walk to the stadium, a little bit different than mine. I had an adventure and an experience all else that, um, not going to go into the podcast. Um, but just an absolute mad scene. In the student section area, because all students seemed like they want to get in at the same time. Um, what time the did you get there? To, um, first time I noticed and sat down in the first seat that I was going to attempt to sit in, there was about 25-ish minutes left on the clock. Wow. So it must have taken you a I mean, I walked right in from the parking lot. You must have stood in line for a while. Um, no, didn't stay in the line. We had to take it. Quick detour, stop somewhere. Um, I did not control, you know, the group of people I was with. Sat down in the upper deck first, and I said, no, I'm not sitting here. This is too big of a game. Made our way down. Wait, I was wait, probably the actual upper deck? The actual upper deck. I wow. was on the ramp for a good five, ten minutes. Um, working my way up there, sat down. Soon the upper deck wasn't full yet. Not even close. And I sat down, I said, whoever I was with. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm not sitting up here. We're moving. Worked our way down. Um, and I was right behind one of the entrances into the student section. I don't know. I was probably 20, 25 rows off from the field. Oh, wow. Pretty close. I would say, um, I would have taken a picture, but, uh, lost my phone. Didn't have my phone the entire game. Uh, so I did not know that. Where did you lose your phone? Where did your phone go? Yeah, good question. Don't really remember where or how I lost my phone. Um, you did get it back. Had it. Too yeah, long. Too long. Don't read the tailgate. Was pretty fun. I guess this is the, the, the summary of the <laughs> tailgate. Was a good time. <laughs> tailgate was really good. Um, now you probably know more details getting to the stadium than I do, so that's why. Yeah, Evan, aka uh, Goose, was just like guys shocked. I think it was like. Got to the, got set up at the tailgate. This, Evan's squad rolls over. It's like eight oh one. We probably got we're like set up at seven fifty five. Like, all right, line up, boys. Shotguns. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie. That first Bud Light that I chugged, I almost threw up. Like that hit me bad. First like thing a, I did when I uh, after I peed, 
because I sat in a car for 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, shotgun. Soda pop, of course. Do you guys recall this scene? So my completely different, you want to talk about a 180, just hopped in the car with my parents to go back to an apartment to watch the game. I got there at like 11.58. Talk about, I didn't have time to, I did not have time to like even think about what could happen. Like the game, which is kind of good. Like no you're pregame. Just, you're just in it. I turn it on to the big noon kickoff, obviously, because that's what the game's on. And you see the scene. So I want to ask you about this. So my first taste of the atmosphere there was electric. For me, obviously, as a Michigan fan, it's Charles Woodson, Tom Renard, who I guess works for Fox now. I, I didn't know that. I, yeah. I assume he's an ESPN guy, but he's at Fox. So he tosses it up for like Charles Woodson's prediction, which is the dumbest thing ever because you know he's just going to say Michigan. He's got a Michigan flag on him and he's running up and down the sideline, waving it, and the boos are raining down on him. And then as that's going on, um, based on other videos I watched, obviously they, I couldn't see it on the same channel, but. Corso and game day is on the other side, and Corso puts on his Michigan helmet, and Ken Jong's holding up a Michigan State jersey in front of the student section, and the student section is doing swag surfing while this is going on. Corso picked Michigan. Yeah, so Corso throws on a Michigan helmet. Um, he said he was crazy for doing it. He admitted it. Ken Jong puts up the jersey as like this deep end. They have the deep end sign there, and they're doing swag surfing in front of Corso. It's a it's a chilling scene. Swag surfing is a little better this time. And then the other end of that, you have Charles Woodson running around with the Michigan fight as the flames are going up and the smoke in Michigan State's running on the field. So, like, it was like, holy, holy, I didn't even see a flyover. Like, I was just jazzed to go just from that little sequence. And then it goes from there. But I guess the only other natural question was I saw people talking about, like, I, I was already hinted to me, like, the play you remember where it was just, like, deafening loud. Was there one? And then, like, where does this atmosphere compare to other – Michigan State games you guys have seen throughout throughout your life. The deafening play, I think, is a no-brainer. It was uh, Michigan State had just taken the lead, finally, uh, whatever the final score was, 37-33. Third mm-hmm. down in Michigan's own, on their, on their own 25, third and 10, and that place uh, was going bananas. It was ex- extremely loud. Kate ends up making like a 50-yard throw. Not him. to be the well actually guy, it was actually 30 to 30. That was tied. It was tied at that point. All the momentum was going to Michigan State, but still, right. point point taken. It's foggy. But, yeah, no, that, it was crazy, and it got silenced. But uh, in terms of atmosphere in Spartan Stadium, it's probably the second loudest I've ever heard it. Oregon, uh, Oregon, Oregon 2015. First, yeah, yeah, that was, that was louder, I think. Prime time. People were a little more uh, drunked up. Yeah, 15 would probably be the most comparable. Close. I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure. So Alex picked that play. I mean, can you t- walk me through the <clears throat> interception play and then just like leaving the stadium? Because leaving the stadium is always like a sweet feeling when you're – like when we were – just as a neutral fan, when we were in Miami, that was like fun walking into the stadium and walking out of the stadium, how fun it is. And I, I don't know how you guys felt, but I was listening. I was like consuming all the coverage of this game, just trying to make sure I'm not recycling people's takes and just seeing what other people think. And um, – Rico Beard on 97 won the ticket. He was at the game, and he said from wherever he was sitting that he had no idea the ball was interception, intercepted and just, like, saw everyone freaking out. It was like, whoa, whoa, like, how did how did that happen? So walk me through, like, just the interception, how loud it was, that, and then just, like, your exit from the stadium and how fun that probably was. Interception, obviously, student section, everyone's standing. Um, Are you just hugging people? A little bit loud. This everyone's whole thing. That's, that's how it was. I mean – 
you see the throw, you see Brantley go up and come down with it. And so you see the players start celebrating and that's when you start celebrating. And then it's complete chaos in the student section. You're finding everybody, giving them high fives. You're hungry, random people. Um, you don't even know what's going on in the field because you're just going absolutely berserk in the student session with random students. Like if there's a penalty flag, you're you're you look like an idiot because at that point you're not even thinking about penalty flags. You're not even thinking it. Like because I relate this just like Kenneth's long touchdown, like the 58 yard touchdown. It's like when you're a student and you see him break free, you probably know he's going to score. You kind of like black out. You don't even remember him crossing the goal line because you're already freaking out, jumping around, like hugging everybody around. You. Um, but the interception. And then afterwards, you know, when you finally take the final knee, Michigan State kind of rushes, like the players kind of rush on the field in like celebration. Um, and it's the same thing. You're high-fiving everybody. You're hugging anybody that wants to give you a hug. Um, just thrilled and kind of shocked for the outcome. Um, and then we kind of stood in the stadium just embracing it all because the players came over Don't to laugh. the student section, sang the fight song in front of us um, with Paul Bunyan and the helmet on him. Um, and then we saw the players kind of leave and mad dash to get out. Um, but we kind of stayed and waited. Um, I should probably backtrack a little bit because when we picked off the ball and the offense had to come on to take two knees, there were a file. I mean, like just a super line of people down the steps, just high-fiving everybody, screaming, we're going. We're going. Oh, and it was just a, a field rush. Was we're rushing the field. Oh, wow. That would be so Every cool. single student is saying, we're rushing the field. We're jumping the wall. We're rushing the field. You break your leg. Like, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. As soon as I start seeing people like jump over the wall, like, yeah, I'm right behind them. I look down. And the way that the student section is built, you have the tunnels. And then like there's a lower part of like the student section. So you have to kind of get down that way. There's probably like eight cops at each entrance to that lower part, just blocking it off mm. of each one. So there's probably at least like 50 police officers up in the stands, just blocking students, telling them no. And then you look down in the corner of uh, the student session on the field, there had to be at least another 50 cops standing right there in the corner, just staring at us. They didn't want it. I'm trying to think about no. – I'm, I'm trying They to, didn't want it. I think they should have let it. I think it would have been a lot more fun to celebrate with the team. Obviously, I'm a little selfish here, but in, like, the middle of the field. Because, like, one of the best teams you see in college basketball, college football, is the mad dash of people onto the onto the field. Kind of scares me. That would have been probably one of the more – I would say most iconic moment in Michigan State football history. Like, that would have been insane. Because no, I don't think I've ever seen a team rush the field in this rivalry ever. Michigan State Spartan Stadium is almost impossible to rush the field at because like I think you're describing. There's a staircase though, but there's like there's like that drop off from like the like I call it the VIP student section there, like that lower chunk, and then the VIP ropes off, and then it's the students come down that and then down the big wall, and that's like that's a lot to ask kids to do fast. Yeah, (laughs) and like you said, the cops were all there. I guess this kind of turns in because. I'm sure the cheers were loud on your guys' end if you go the good way or the bad way, but we'll get into more X's and O's. We're still big picture wise. What did you guys think was like the biggest play or turning point in this game, which is hard to ask because there were so many, but like, what is that play in your mind? It's like, okay, that's where the game swung. Uh, I would say for me, there's a lot. So I don't think that any answer is right or wrong. But for me, it was fourth and four when, uh, 
Savorn snaps it and throws a fade to Jaden Reed, catches it at the goal line. Michigan State scores right after that. <clears throat> if they don't get that, they're still down 16 or 17 or whatever it was. 16. 16. Uh, and it, it's probably over at that point. I mean, I don't know for sure, but probably over. So I would say that was the biggest play in the whole game. They really turned momentum. Yeah, um, I was going to say that. Go I'll, I'll try to pivot one because, like you said, there are so many. I'll, for, just so we all know, that that probably would have been the one yeah. I'd go with. I said, I guess um, the natural Michigan fan one that's going to be burned in your mind, like Spate fumbling on the goal line or his pick six against Ohio State in 2016 is just going to be the J.J. Blake Corum um, muffed exchange. I th- It was a uh, – yeah. It was thirty. Was it thirty three thirty? Yeah, it was thirty three thirty. Michigan. We just went through. Um, you kind of yeah, like it was weird. There's so many momentum shifts. So Michigan State has all the momentum. Um, it's thirty to thirty, and they stop. They stop Michigan. Get the ball back. Thirty to thirty with the chance, and then Michigan has a great stop defensively, and then is able to you know get back up thirty three thirty with the ball, and then you fumble. First, first play of the drive. First play of the drive, too. Um, yes. After a great punt return to get you around midfield. Uh, so, yeah, that, that would be the turning point for me. Got to go with something different. Yeah, I know. I was going to go with that one um, as a little jab at all the Michigan fans that wanted J.J. McCarthy to uh, start and play more often. Um, turning point. No wrong answers. Like, I I understand that, but you have to go back earlier. And I, I, it's a small play, but I think the first two point conversion you could say is like an also like uh, a turning point where you're down sixteen and you score. And you're like, okay, now we can get it to one possession. Like if you don't get that two point conversion, now you're still down two possessions. Um, Confidence would take a hit. Yes. Yeah. Would the momentum still be on Michigan State's side? Absolutely. But I think it's a little bit more obtainable being down eight than instead of being down 10. Um, and especially as somebody that we didn't really target that much throughout the entire game. And you find them in the back of the end zone for a completion for the two point conversion. And I think that play gave the, not only the fans, myself included, and I think the team a little bit more momentum and confidence like hey we're only down one possession here let's none up and let's see what we can do and then you turn around you turn around and you force a punt and so now all the momentum's on your side and you obviously score a tight up 30 30 so i would say that first two-point conversion although Jaden Riggs is a better catch and all-around better play i would say the first one is like a turning point towards getting the momentum and confidence back on your side it also was a good one to pick because it wasn't um you know an easy one i would say like from watching back Today that was probably the top for sure top five throw from Thorne on the right day. Um, he had a couple other really nice ones, but that was like a you know it's tight windows down there, and he let the play develop, didn't panic, and stuck it in a little, there. Um, a little longer developing play. So you're, as a fan, especially with my angle, you're like, oh my gosh, get, like get rid of the ball. Yeah. Bit, but. Um, a sneaky one that I'll just throw in there that we probably would hit anyways, but. It felt like it set the tone for how the fourth quarter could potentially go. Was just, and you guys talked to me about this. I guess there's another atmosphere thing we may have overlooked was go. We've talked about when I went to Western Kentucky, but like that going into the fourth quarter light show that Spartan Stadium does now. Although it would have looked better at night, um, 
I saw like a little video of it, but it looks sweet. Like both teams are going crazy to Mo Bamba. And then you come out of that and you send Ron Williams on like the jailhouse blitz. I believe it was Ron Williams. No. Was it not? Who was it? Justin White. I believe he's like a walk-on. He he hit the guy. Williams, it was in coverage. So, okay, that's right. Okay, yeah. So you send a corner. Um, Justin White, I'll get his name right. On a corner blitz. Transfer from D2. On, it was like third and nine, third and eight. Uh, and although that's that's, been a, that's a positive situation for a defense, Michigan had been pretty had been picking up a lot of those throughout the day. So I'm not sure how comp, you know it was pretty much a 50-50 play I'd say. And the blitz was just perfectly there was receivers open, but obviously the blitz just messes up the whole play, especially when you see it late as a quarterback. And then that gets um, Michigan the chance to be able to get it to 30-30 on the next drive. So that was huge to take that chance on blitz on like third and eight or nine. Like you just. As uh, Hazel, Hazleton probably just sat on that. Is, is Hazleton? He just sat on it all game waiting for that chance. Really. And it also had blitzed. Uh, I don't want to say the play before. or It was that set of three downs, though. They blitzed a corner again on a run play, and he made a huge play. So just like sent those corner blitz at that time to get a stop there was huge. Because Michigan was getting close to, I think, around midfield by that point. Um, so they were I think that play, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but – in the stadium, the feel of it, I kid had to be banged up on it. That's why JJ was in back-to-back drives. Oh yes, I guess we can address yeah, that now. I think kid's ribs got because that blitz. Yeah. There was a the kid tweeted out like photos from the game, and he tweeted out a picture of that exact collision moment. Yes, his helmet is dead in Cade's stomach. Like there's an ultimate like rib and like gut shot that I know 100. percent There's no protection there. It ha- did not feel well. Like it definitely maybe a bruised ribs or like at least loss of breath and like where you're not feeling 100 yeah. so you're going to go with JJ. And I guess um, that's a good point because that play leads into my like what happened with my turning point play is it's almost 100 percent confirmed now. I'm confident saying this from everything I've consumed from the Michigan side of things that JJ no that Cade. I don't know if necessarily was I'm, I won't say he was in the blue tent, but it was confirmed he was working through something uh, still. And that's why JJ started the next drive. Now, would they have started JJ on the drive anyways? Maybe because they've been doing that throughout the game. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and it turns out, I mean, kind of a throw under the bus, but not really because you got to hold people accountable. But and as I watched it back today, and Jim said in his press conference today, it's on Blake Corm just to, to hold on to the football. He went out and said that. And if you watch the play, it is not a play action pass. It is a like outside zone with two pulling linemen to the left. And yes, the handoff was like a little bit. It was almost like it looks like Corum didn't know it was. Rough. It was on like Corum's like upper breast. I would say is where the handoff was. So it was not in his gut. Um, and that's one of the things you talk about when you don't have a bell cow and you do. Hassan Haskins is way taller than Blake Corum, so maybe it was a muscle memory of just thinking it's Hassan Haskins there, and you hand it off a little too high. And also to Alex's point, yeah, it did not look Corum, like Corum didn't look back. Didn't look like Blake Corum thought he was getting the ball. It was a clear run. It was not a pass. Um, it's just weird. He did not look for the ball. So I guess Michigan fans got the answer on that. I think like that was the instant reaction, I think, from Michigan fans after the game was like Jim and the staff blew it by tinkering with, with them too much, which you can argue they did anyways. But that specific play, I think it's pretty clear now that, one, I don't think K was available to be in that snap. And two, the running back has to hold on the ball. So that's an interesting one there. Um, I guess, is there any... I asked this question. I said, who stepped up, who shriveled up, which is not the way I should have phrased that. But I was trying to say shriveled or stepped up. Because in rivalry games, people make names for themselves. Um, 
Are there any ones that really stood out to you that were like you expected? Um, there's an obvious one. Like you guys can let's use this time to praise Kenneth Walker the third because he was obviously the, the the best player on the field uh, in that football game. And I guess you guys started off um, with what you saw from him. Evan can go first. Just get as dramatic and hyperbole uh, as you want because I don't think you can be too dramatic. I mean, it's way he did. dramatic and like lost in the moment of like the entire game. Um, Michigan State does a terrible job of like feeding you stats throughout the game on the scoreboard if you're like a watcher of like the live action plays. Was it down in distance right today? Because it was not good in the yeah, Western Kentucky. It was better. It was on, I would say it was on point. Um I did but, like, in the air. as they like feed the information to you on the scoreboards, it's just like team stats. And I hand up. I honestly did not know when I left the stadium that Kenneth Walker had five touchdowns. Yeah, a lot of and people. I did not know stands. he had 194 rushing I don't think yards. I, I, wasn't, I, don't I did think not I know did. until our friend Drew told me. He's like, he had five touchdowns, and I said, "Really?" And I actually I think about it. And I was like, "Well, yeah, he scored all the touchdowns." I reminded multiple people in my section. <clears throat> they had no idea. They're like, "How many do you have? Three? I'm like, "No, he just he just scored his fifth. And they're like, "Oh my God, Heisman!" It was one of those things. Also, because two point conversions play tricks on you. You see a guy catch a ball in the end zone, and you think, "Oh, we must have had a passing yes, touchdown yeah. today." But yeah, I mean, Alex Kenneth Walker the third thoughts. Well, I have a bloody nose right now, so I'm battling. But um, <laughs> just keep chopping, baby. Keep chopping through keep the pot chopping through this segment. Um, Kenneth Walker uh, TV doesn't do him justice. Let me just start there. In person, the dude is unbelievable. He is way faster in person than what he probably looks like on TV. It's the black cleats. His cuts in the holes. His ability to make people miss. No one takes good angles on him. And I don't think it's because of the defenders are bad. I just think he is he's just, you know, deceiving the defense at all times. The the kid is unbelievable. If he's not in New York, I will be I'll be pissed, to put it lightly. I'll, he deserves to be there. He could he could struggle the rest of the season. I don't I doubt he will, but I mean he, he he's the best running back I've ever seen in Michigan State. I'm confident saying that. I think he's like plus 500 right now to win the Heisman, which is around where Matt Corral is. Uh, I think CJ Stroud's like plus 450, so he's tracking to be in New York. Gotta be in New York. Um, you say like the whole doesn't do him justice if you're on TV. I would say it doesn't do him justice unless you rewatch the game. I was telling Alex Evan before this show, like I don't really rewatch many games with the intent of like taking notes and like really trying to see what happened. And I did today, and like you just watch. Those running plays that he breaks, not even all the touchdowns, just like some ones that you turn into eight-yard gains are unfathomable. The way that that large of a human being is able to like stop and then just completely change direction. And he almost has like a sixth sense type thing where like there was one where Josh Ross is coming at him from like a 45-degree angle from the opposite direction. And he like kind of – he must feel him and then just dips his left shoulder, pushes him past him, and then runs for like eight yards. His vision – is ridiculous. It's insane. And and the like quick on his feet, like I'm sure I, I just imagine the way he cuts is like if that if you gave Kenneth Walker a jump rope, I bet he'd look like a boxer. Like the way he's just able to move his feet quickly. And I'll be the hyperbole guy. I'm I'm looking at him now to make sure I'm not crazy. Now I'm gonna caveat like kind of a wimp, but I think it's fit. You're not out of line if you say that Kenneth Walker is a better runner of the football than Saquon Barkley was at Penn State. There's no doubt in my mind that they're the same, if not Kenneth Walker's better. And so just for a quick comparison here, um, I guess Saquon's best year of college was his uh, sophomore year, 272 rushing attempts 
for 1,496 yards and 18 touchdowns. As we sit right now, Kenneth Walker's at 175 rushing attempts, 1,000, well, 1,200 rushing yards. So that's about, um, he's got, what, 300 more to go, which with four games plus more to go. Um, and then 14 touchdowns. And then 14 touchdowns. And that was 14 games for Saquon right now. A games for Kenneth Walker. He, he he should be able to get close to the twelve to thirteen mark, obviously. So and obviously I say runner of the football because Saquon, you know, those all purpose scrimmage yards because he's a I would say Saquon's obviously a better receiver of the football and yeah. like pass catching threat. Um, I mean they used to use him on like deep post plays at Penn State. I vividly remember one against Michigan, but it's not unreasonable to say that he's a better runner of the football than Kenneth Walker. I mean he's up there with dominant backs in college football i say he i would say he's probably still unless he really balls out the rest of the year he's still a rung below ezekiel elliott but when you talk about big 10 running backs i would he's a better runner of the football than is he or um saquon barkley it's it's absolutely insane and he's like you legitimately watched a man backpack his team to a victory in like the biggest rivalry game in the series history and biggest game of the season you think about how like Obviously, he's charged up because, you know, he's, he wants to play and all that. But it even adds to it that, like, he, it was so funny listening. I was listening to his press conference that he was watching, getting caught up on the whole Michigan-Michigan State rivalry this week. And he had never seen the trouble with the snap play until this week. He didn't even know, like, what it was. And to think, like, that guy just brought, like, the hammer in this rivalry game that we all care about so much and know all these players is, like, super impressive. He did not watch NFL football until he was, like, 17 years old. It kind of made me feel like a because he was like, yeah, I just didn't have time to watch TV when I was a kid. I was too busy playing sports and like all that. that I Sports that, and lifting. That kind of rings true with me, but I still like found time to, you know, play video games and watch sports. So you can tell that that's why Kenneth Walker is a different human being than, than us and most people. He has better stats through eight games than Derrick Henry did when he won the Heisman. It's so, pretty good. I mean, he's up there in this last decade of running backs. A thousand percent. Jonathan Taylor's, your Ezekiel Elliott's. He's ridiculous. He might be a one-year wonder shooting star in the Big Ten, but I guess as state fans and I guess fans of football. Selfishly, I hope he comes back. Fans of football should just enjoy him while you have him. So that's the Kenneth Walker praise. I guess I'll go quickly on the Michigan side. The obvious name is Andre Anthony. Breakout performance from him in this game. I think the stat was he had 17 targets. No, 17 routes run, one target going into this game. Which makes me in the back of my mind go, was it no catches? What? Yeah, no catches. What took him so long? And like, was this a classic case of the staff like not playing him? Kind of like, uh, now we Monday Night Football's on. Is it like Kadarius Tony, where like he got to play because Roman Wilson and Dalen Baldwin have suffered through injuries um, and he just gets to go? He said he found out Monday that he was going to be involved heavily in this game, like play a lot. So interesting. Stepped up. Um, There was a cool narrative there. Evan, go ahead. I, I had one point, you know, You now that you say that he's, Monday he figured out that he was going to get involved, so the coaches have a game plan going into it. And then you look at the stats and, like, the distribution between pass and run. Um, prior, Michigan was heavy on run, um, so you think more heavy personnel. But you rewatch the film, it is a lot of four wide, most of the time even five wide. Yes, I know, you look, like, Coram was be, like, the fifth wide receiver. I think that just helped him getting involved even more. Yes, your two top wide receivers are out, but I think it's the next man up. But also the game plan going in, like we're going to throw the ball on Michigan State because of the way that they're aligned and their defensive scheme. A hundred percent. That's a great point because in um, 
Cal Halliday's and Henderson's press conference, they like reiterated um, just like we are, our game plan all week was to stop the run, stop the run. They don't show any pass really on offense. So I think that would be a positive for a Michigan fan that your coaching staff was smart enough to go into this game, realizing you can't put them in a phone booth. Like I say, um, they still tried to at times that old little habit did come out and we can, we can get to it later when we get into more specific nitty gritty plays, but Andrew Anthony stepped up. There was a cool narrative that he was an East Lansing kid. He kept saying it was like his homecoming game for him. And um, I did not know he had burners like that. Um, briefly on that play, that was like a, that was like, I guess Michigan State had the ball first, but that was like one of those where you weren't even really settled into the game yet. And then you have like a 93 yard play should not happen that early into the game. That's like unfair for everyone. That's like what, what just happened. I don't even know how to think. It's tough to process. Um, for sure. Credit to Cade for the ball on that because if he doesn't put that ball right in stride, there's no chance that scores because it was just like perfectly slant play. Um, and I don't know. I guess huh. you look confused. Just wondering why Steve Young has wide receiver gloves on. Okay. In this, in this <laughs> not now, Steve Young. Sorry. Um, my other guy that I'll when I really have anything really good to say about, I guess would just be Cade McNamara. Um, I'd be curious to see your guys' thoughts on him. Before I give mine, just like as a, a, a opponent or as a fan of the other team in that game, what, what did you think about his performance in the rivalry game? Uh, I just want to touch on Andrew Anthony real quick. Go ahead. Um, I just felt it was very comparable to Ricky White last year. Kind of the same yeah. thing. You just don't have any film on true freshmen, and they just come in. and That's how they surprise you. I also heard in a different podcast that Michigan saves their freshmen for big games. I don't know why. I don't know why they do that. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it, it definitely showed. And then now to Cade. Uh, I thought Cade played way better than I ever could have expected. I was pretty – I wouldn't say I was super down on him. I just wanted to see more. You're a JJ guy. I was a small JJ guy. I'm sure you'll walk that back by the end of the pod. You can walk it back now if you want. Um, but, you know, I, I kept saying every week I wanted to see more from Cade. Threw the ball 44 times. He made a, a lot of throws that I didn't think he could make. He made some very impressive throws over the middle, off his back foot, dropping over a linebacker. People act like that's a normal throw. But I can tell you right now, any of us three, if we try to make it, it's a pick every time. So As a former um, Herrick, no, what's it called? West Haven football quarterback, not an easy throw to make. Off your back foot over <laughs> a linebacker, just no, no chance. Um yeah, I mean, he impressed me. I'm not going to sit here and say he's, you know, some great QB and that Michigan's future is extremely bright with him at quarterback. I still think he's he's a game manager. He didn't make any wild throws. He didn't make any 50-yard bombs to the sideline, dropped in a bucket. He didn't do any of that, but he made the right throws. He was poised, and uh, I came out with more respect for him than I expected to. He is a good player. Yeah, I mean, oh, look at this. What did this time? Come on, man. On Monday Night Football, Taylor Luan. We'll get to that later. But uh, God, he's a I don't – I feel like I'm willing to say after watching him against Michigan State is that, like, he is still a game manager, but I think I would say I'd put him in the bucket where he can go win you a game. Like, I feel I, – I know he didn't technically do it because he had a chance on two drives to do it. Yeah. So maybe I still have to reserve that, but I feel like – if let's say Michigan's down seven, six points to Penn State with four minutes to go, I, I think he can. Win. I feel okay with Kate as quarterback. I don't feel like it's just like hopeless, you know. So I feel like he can go win a game, but 
I agree with what you're saying. Like a, a lot of the throws were just like he made good throws, but also some of them were like wide open. He had good anticipation to get him there. He, he put the ball on the money, but he didn't. He it's not like Michigan State was forcing him to make ten yard throws to the opposite side of the field to the sideline, like NFL type throws. He wasn't forced to do that, but with all his intermediate throws, he hit him and he hit him in stride. So you can't fault him. And I would say the big shift that we hadn't really seen, like the nickname check down Cade, which was valid at the time, is that his yards per attempt in this was 8.8, almost 9 yards, which was impressive. 28 of 44, like you said, so it's about 64%. Um, 383 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. I guess the maddening thing is if you had asked any Michigan fan if Cade is like 17 yards short of 400 yards passing, like you think, obviously, I would think Michigan would win the game by 10 if I like knew that or that means they're getting blown out and they had to come from behind like the whole game but that's not the case so it's just like i don't i don't know how like, when you look at the stats it's just it, it, it makes it even more depressing that like they couldn't figure it out to win the game um yeah i got a hypothetical yeah um sean clifford or cade uh hey i have to take i have I, i'm recently biased i'm taking cade i mean i'm taking cade i think that we can all agree which says a lot. I, I don't know if they're that different. No, Clifford doesn't wow me. Cade did show me one thing this game where he actually scrambled and it worked out well, which is uh, that was for for diehard Michigan fans that they would know that's brand new. Has not done that once this year where it's like a, been a first down scramble, which I know you guys are used to with Peyton throwing that. He did that in this game at least once and he's done it throughout the year. Like that's not something Cade does. And he did it like twice almost. So that was good to see. Evan, what did you think of Cade? He was efficient and he took what he knew the game plan and he took what was given to him. Um, he knew the middle of the field was going to be open a lot and he found the matchups across the middle. I mean, it was frustrating because I thought going into the game, I thought we had an advantage at the quarterback spot. And as the game progressed, it was one of the areas where he had or played better or had more confidence than our quarterback. Yeah, and, and, and also I would say it helps. Uh, Michigan State got no pressure on him. I mean, at all day. He sat in the pocket. Um, he had his time. He got the ball. We didn't have sacks. There were multiple plays where Cage stood in there and released the ball he did right take before some shots. we got or even got to him. or even faded and credit away. to him for standing in there. Yeah, or he even faded. Like there was um, God, there was one where he was slightly rolling to his right and like leaning back and threw it over Panishuk's hand, who dropped back into coverage and dropped it in. Like a like, there were some insane throws, and then also. The ball that he threw to Sander still to make it 30-14. When you watch that from the end zone view on the replay, like he th- talk about anticipation, he threw that ball when all the players that were in the middle field were lined up and he just knew Henderson was too far back and that Sanderson was going to be underneath him and let up. And he threw kind of, you know, we, we've watched Stafford for years, but it was like a little sidearm sling, which I hadn't seen him do much this year uh, ever. And so that was, I don't know. So that I guess that's the only praise I'll heap on the main two Michigan players that had Pretty good games. Is it safe to say uh, the JJ over Cade talk for the rest of this year is over? Yeah, I mean, I don't. That's going to get me all hot and bothered. I think it was just like absolutely moronic that the way they try to sprinkle JJ into this game as it progressed, like it made no sense. I went back and was just watching the drives, and like Cade was doing. It'd be like Cade. That that, okay for just a microcosm that throw um, that you when you talk about how loud the stadium was. That throw, they get it, and then they get a first down, and then boom, bring JJ in to run the ball, and then it stalls off for a field goal. It's like, why are you bringing in 
J- in, bringing in JJ on first and tens makes the least amount of sense because it's the most obvious rushing down and you rush with him all the time. The management of JJ in a game. Honestly, after I watched Cade throw the first play to Andre Anthony, I don't think I need to see much JJ. Like, you know, if you know kids, you, they know Cade well enough that he's a competitor, that he's going to be, when he's on, he's on. You don't need to see him. Like, real, you don't need to see much JJ. That could be a good transition to your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh. I mean, well, one second. People can talk about, like, oh, Grant, like, yeah, but JJ made that throw to Andre Anthony. Cade can make that throw. Like, what are we talking that wasn't the That wasn't an amazing throw. He waited so long to little, throw it, and he just put it high enough. Like, it was just a good play-action play, and Andre was fast, and he was open. Like, it, it actually wasn't a great throw. If you let him into the corner, he wouldn't have had a contest for the ball. That's a different story. That ball should have been thrown in the corner. It's just, like, there were so many times when things were moving, and then it would be a first and ten. And it's like JJ's in. Or JJ would start a drive on first and 10. They'd run the ball for two yards. It's like, what are you doing? I could say the guys in my section uh, would, would cheer for joy every time JJ came in. And obviously ended up fumbling. Later. I mean, he essentially had two nice plays. He had one read option where he kept it for a first down. Yeah. And Kovars uh, Kovars tackled him. And they had a funny little exchange where they were, like everyone's fired up in the rivalry game. And then he made a good, I guess, a good throw, goodish throw to Andre Anthony. But... Obviously, when your quarterback's hurt in the tent because of a quarterback blitz, you do have to have him in the game. So it just um, – it was actually really interesting. I don't, we don't have to get deep into it, but it was a – I'm not going to call it conspiracy theory, but on 97.1 a day, I tuned in for you know, the Valenti and Rico show. And Valenti's like, do you think it's something to do with, like, JJ's parents and, like, they just are nervous that he'll transfer out? Because obviously, Cade is eligible to play next year. And it's like – Today is college football. Yeah, it's like, I, and I get it. I, it's a really tough situation, but at some point you just gotta sack up and and be like, hey, like have a discussion with both that we have to. After what you saw, like we have to just ride one of you. And I don't know that they might lose one. Who knows? It just it also just hurts. I wasn't alive really during it, but it just from everything I hear, it just feels like it's like the Drew Henson Tom Brady situation. None of these guys are probably gonna be that good ever. But like the fact that like they just keep like I just want to say this. I just feel bad for Cade McNamara after that game. Like that kid played. His ball's off. He didn't make a pick. Whatever. It was not a bad throw, which is an unbelievable defensive play. He's a great drop. And, like, the kid's a competitor, and he cares so much, and he's, like, such a better leader compared to Joe Milton that I appreciate him so much more. And you know how, de- like, demoralizing it has to feel? Like, you watch J.J. go in. He gets a negative one-yard carry, and then it's second and 11, and now you have to clean up his mess. It's like, that just sucks. Like, just let the kid make his – like, if he's going to lose the game, make him lose it. And shout out to Cade for going on that podium after the game and saying, like, I lost the game. I know there was that clip. We're going to address that briefly where he said, like, he thought it was P.I. Um, but I don't, he was referring to the first fourth down? Yes. No, I don't it, I don't think it really was. Like, it could have been. It's a call that people get. And honestly, I, I would tell Michigan State fans do not hold that against Cade. I think he was just caught up in the moment and hadn't seen a replay and just thought, like, so, someone had to get hit. I don't think – he said himself they lost the game because of how he played. He, he took all the blame for the game, put it on himself. So, like, he did say he thought it should have been P.I., but I don't – he didn't mean it in, like, a whiny, like, that's why we lost the game way at all. He just was just saying, I thought it was in the moment. So, I will clarify that because that has been a theme for Michigan players post-game and pre-game of just saying really shit in this rivalry. So, he wasn't – did not mean it like that. Um, I haven't anything to add. Not for those topics. Um, let's hit on Mel Tucker. What a job this guy has done at Michigan State. And obviously, it's still continuing. It's going to be a very fascinating storyline just to see how far he can take this team. And like, <laughs> It's almost like a changing of – you talked about earlier, Evan, how 
that play in 2015 changed the way like history of college football i almost think the blueprint mel tucker's laid out for a fast rebuild in college football could be changing a blueprint with a transfer portal like the fed you have to i know people write articles about it and the athletic has great ones but like the praise that this man should get for just embrace he from what i've heard he built like a transfer recruiting department like there's three guys on michigan state staff that all they do is michigan state's portal. football department is built like an nfl uh front office and that's like that transfer portal is free agency to them and like I think, you know, obviously there's probably teams out there that do the same thing that yeah. we don't know about, but it feels like they're like trendsetters in this space with how early and how new these rules are that he worked it the way he did. And the fact that they found a Heisman candidate in the transfer portal to help you win this game. Do you guys ever think after listening to like Mel Tucker speak and just like how good he is at everything that like he could be a robot? Like sometimes I look at this guy and I don't know if he's like a real human being. Like he seems too perfect. I can't, I can't imagine what his days are like. I mean, he's like so laser focused on everything. And he just does everything right so far. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's going to be the greatest coach ever, but there's a lot to like through his first season in eight games or whatever. So his first 15 games. Yeah, I mean, he's been unbelievable. More than I could have expected. Way more. Evan. Yeah. And I've been like, oh, yeah, 100% way more expected. Yeah, you need to see. I was just going to say, I love D'Antonio and all that. But I mean, you don't have to compare him, honestly. I'm not comparing him. It's just, you know, I feel like I heard this and I thought it was a, a pretty good uh, take that Mel is kind of like saving how Mark D'Antonio ended his, his tenure. Because. It looked like it was going to be super dark for a bunch of years after Mark quit or quit, retired, whatever you want to call it. And then Mel is all of a sudden goes in the transfer portal and you got one COVID year and all of a sudden you're 8-0 and it's November 1st. And we're talking about Michigan State being in the top five in the college football playoff rankings, which is crazy. I would never have expected this. If someone told me this a year ago, I would have laughed at him. He, no, you did predict they'd be 7-0. I, I don't did, think they'd win this game. I did predict Michigan State would be 7-0. In July or something. I'm just really smart college football analyst. But, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know. I just hope that uh, Michigan State does whatever they can to keep him. Oh, we can't. We can't let him leave. Evan, do you think, like, because as a, as a fan, I mean, I can't say anything about it now, but, like, this whole, like, Mel Tucker has his, like, vision of, like, the brand and, like, all these, like, buzzwords of the deep end, the woodshed, keep shopping. He's a phrase guy. Relentless and like it just seems so corny and like weird. But like, do you? I, I honestly think the way I picture this guy is like they went in the locker room and when they were down thirty fourteen and he says keep chopping. He has all these kids so bought into like how imposing a figure he is. They're like, yep, like that's, that's all we have to do. Evan, wait, just I have another follow up question. To that just you've been around him while he's coaching. True. Just Ooh. can you just talk about his presence? Just like, how does it feel to be around that guy? Does he just demand respect, yeah. demand excellence? You just want to be better when you're around him. I, that's how I assume it is. He, I mean, because I was a little schoolgirl, like, you know, because I was there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he walks into the uh, the practice facility and all eyes are on him. Um, he is the face of the program. Now he's kind of like co-face of the program because Kenneth Walker, but... To demand the respect, the intensity, and the professional or 
do your job mantra, like every single rep, every single time you have to get better. I think that's what he demands. Um, and I think the players, like Rain said, with all these catchphrases, they're bought in. Um, cause obviously the players that weren't bought in, they're no longer on the team. And to get all those transfers, I think it was something that you had to buy into him because players won't be able to, uh, visit. They didn't get to see anything. And so they're playing for the head coach personally. They weren't playing for the stadium. They weren't playing for the uniforms. They weren't playing for the campus. They were playing for the new head coach that came and said, we want you on our roster. We want you buying into our system. The job that he's done, I don't know. I can't think of anything that you can compare it to. Um, recent memory, uh, like the closest thing you could say is LSU and Joe Burrow. But I mean, that was like one guy and a lot of the other kids were just highly recruits and Joe Brady made that team, not at Ogeron. Right. Um, and I just think the big thing with Tucker, like Thorne said after the game, there's not a coach I would rather play for. I mean, he all the players love him. They all respect him. He gets everyone ready to go. They never, the team never thinks they're out of it. And this team, talent-wise, is not even one of the more talented teams we've had. Probably, there's been more talented teams in the Antonio era, and yet this team just finds ways every single week, and it's mind blowing. I don't know what that guy does, but I need his regimen. Make me a better person. So I swear, I just want like a day in the life. Of Can I just Tucker. follow Mel around for like one week? I'm sure my life would improve drastically. I think like it's a combination of like his, because you can't deny it, like his look, his build, like it strikes fear in you. And then I also think like he made this comment that he had lost his voice. He says he only yells in enthusiasm. I think maybe Evan can confirm in practice that's not always the case that he does yell when he's mad. But like, I almost think maybe as the season goes on, he just like almost gives us like, I'm just disappointed in you for not doing your job. Like, it's okay. like he strikes his fear, but then also like you don't hate him. You want to do well for him and you have to take him seriously because of how like put together and like like even when he was on like game day i didn't get to see it but people were saying like his just suit was so crisp the tie was perfectly knotted like the guy's a perfectionist and he never like looks disheveled or puts himself in a bad light in public and i think that probably like that detail and all that has to trickle down throughout the program his kids probably feel so much pressure to be perfect all the time god that probably sucks (laughs) um this is the parallel i want to draw i mean I don't think it's a reach. It's just I don't know why it dawned on me. I was just thinking about the programs. I think we're watching like a Mel Tucker and Jawan Howard are kind of comparable say, figures right now in like the sports. Like if you think about Jawan came in, had like a, I don't know, not terrible first year. Um, it w- wasn't great. And then vaults them to like massive success in year two. And he's kind of that similar like imposing figure has been around the block like has a little. Cringe. They both have a little swag element where they relate to the younger kids. Like I think that we could be on this thing where it's like different sports, but in this, at least in our state, like Mel Tucker and Jawan Howard are kind of similar figures, at least in my mind, of how they're like revamping a program. Now the natural thing is like I think Jawan took over the program in a better spot than Mel walked into, so he had to do more. But also, it's it, you can't work the portal as much. But Jawan worked the portal in year one and got. Um, I mean, he brought in a number one class a point guard and a, yeah so I, I think that's something interesting to just keep in mind like there is something to be said like cool coaches that have that know what they're doing like that really is huge in today's society i think we're watching like mel tucker do it evan would you take any other college coaches over mel tucker right now that's a tough question 
Like, if you were starting you now and you, you get a guy, I mean, who, who are you picking? Probably Nick Saban. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean. But let's Saban. say, other than Nick Saban, because that's the obvious choice, how many coaches are you taking ahead of him? I can think of one for sure, I think, maybe. And not, I really none like, of them are for sure. I really like Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley was the name that came to I don't know how you do in the Big Ten, but I, I think he's a genius. His offense is crazy. I love that. But other than him, it's hard to think of many. I mean, like I know people are trying to say now that Dabo is only good with a generational QB, but still, like what he did at Clemson could be kind of similar. Like they, Clemson was a laughing stock. They always lost the big game, and he like Clemson's the blueprint. So I mean, Dabo, Dabo is up there. He's he's cringy though. I, I don't like him better than Mel. I think Mel's a easier to swallow person. But were those the names you were thinking? Yeah, of? He's got a lot. I mean, you guys go around college football and look at the success stories. I mean, Blake and Riley, yeah, Ryan Day. Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart. That was a Kirby disciple. Well, yeah, I mean, not coaching the NFL team. Oh, people forget this. He was, he was an interim head coach, and he was in the running to take over an NFL franchise. He was handed a good situation, but like I think Ryan Day's a genius, and he kept the program going. He didn't fumble the bag, so I think there's something to be said. There. It's always it's always fun to take offensive genius head coaches. But if we're having this discussion, like I'm taking notes. No, but but Ryan Day and Lincoln Bible was kind of like the same situation where you had this Hall of Fame coach in front of you and you kind of force him out because of how good this young coach is behind you. Otherwise, that young coach is going to leave and take over a different program. Mel Tucker or Urban Meyer right now? Mel Tucker. Wait. There's too much stuff going around with Urban Meyer, even in the college level. Right. I mean, I'm not speaking what he does in the NFL. I'm thinking Urban Meyer's a college coach. There's too much baggage there where yes he's won national championship with too much baggage and i mean mel tucker moves around now, i know you hate too, james franklin but nationally he's liked is it is it mal it, over james he, nationally he's liked for no reason because he hasn't won anything the only reason he is relevant is because he had one player and we already talked about that one player crap if he, he never had stay barkley he, he would still not he would not be at penn state does he have i don't know if i wouldn't want him to start now but does he stay up you're hiring a head coach your athletic director are you hiring mel tucker or james frank well i think james frank so i'd hire mel tucker um now this guy i also don't like just because of the teams but like i think brian kelly may have a case like oh, he's i would be tough for me to do that he's like i know nor dame's easy to recruit to and their schedule sometimes isn't the toughest every year because they're independent but like he, his program was in a dark spot under him, and he was able to revive them, and they've had multiple playoff appearances. I think he has a case. As much as I don't like him, he has a case. All right, Evan, now my last question, <laughs> quick question. Uh, if you're the athletic director of Michigan State, Mel Tucker's currently making around like $5.5 million, with like $6 million in bonuses. The top 10 coaches pay, I think he's 13. Top he's 10 13. is like in the $7 million range, so it would be like a $2 million raise. Do you give it to him now? Or do you wait and take the risk that he might leave? Uh, you give it to him at the end of the season, but you already had discussions going in. Like currently, you always have, or you already have discussions with him saying, Mal, you've done a fantastic job so far, and we'd like to uh, give you the benefit for doing that and keeping you around. There's a video of Alan Howler celebrating awesome. on the field and his R-A-D enthusiasm awesome. towards the football program. Former, former player. I think he played football. Yeah, yes, former did. player. So – the comments I have in the athletic director now, um, I have confidence that he will do the right thing. And the more that they talk to Izzo about everything, because um, Izzo Assistant is the face of the university, there's no way he leaves, in my opinion. 
unless he really has a vision where he wants bigger and better things. But Michigan State has all the resources, and anything that he asks is going to happen. Would you make him a top five coach in the in college football if they won the Big Ten this year? You mean top paid? five? If we won the Big Ten, yes, absolutely. He, he, I would write, I would give him a blank check and say, write your number on it. That would be based on the. It'd be about seven thousand seven hundred million that would slot him in, just above Lincoln Riley. Yeah, but, hey, but also from that top, it's top. it's like it's like the NFL quarterbacks. Every single new year, there's a new high paid NFL quarterback. You just don't right. want to fall into college football. Every single year, there's going to be a new high paid head coach, right? Like just supply and demand. To keep Mel Tucker, likely he's going to need to be paid more than Ryan Day is making, and that's just like how the new quarterback gets his contract. That's just how it's going to go. I think I think Mel at the end of the season will get to close to the seven mil, which would put him in front. Correct. Um, so I guess we can use that briefly to spin off of uh, DM we got. We asked for some questions from listener fan Cam. We really appreciate it. He had some strong words that will not be read in full on the show. But the gist is kind of goes into that swagger of the head coach that we, we just brushed on and comparing Jim Harbaugh to Mel Tucker. And it wasn't the worst game I've ever seen Jim Harbaugh be involved in, obviously, uh, with coaching and mistakes. But, like, there's this theme of, like, as a Michigan fan, I don't know how people feel. It's like when you just look at the sideline, you don't – he doesn't give you confidence. When I look at is Mel – because he's mouth-breathing? It's just like he has a confused and bewildered face at nearly all times unless his touchdown is being scored. It's just like a – it's like it's – like, His mouth is always open. Or he's like, or he does. I think he, he has lost his enthusiasm. If you go back and watch like the highlights from like Michigan the first two years, he was emphatic on the sideline nonstop. Does he want to be in Michigan anymore? I think I think it's part of like you guys. Not to go back to like high school, but I remember there were some we'd hear stories from the kids that were older us in high school and say like when that coach got here they were up everyone's. But like he would make them run suicides every day at practice for messing up, and then we get there and he's like, oh yeah, like. If you guys want to be good, you'll lift yourselves. And then he told us at the end of the year, like, you guys were 500 because you were a 500 team in the weight room. It's like, well, where were you, like, up our butts to do? He's like, I just don't have that same drive anymore. Like, I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Fantastic we're like, comparison. We're like, I don't know. He was all in it. He had that chip on his shoulder. I do think there's been – I mean, there's part of it this year where it's – like, we talked about the energy of they found their groove with these young assistant coaches to, like – you know, jump around, take other people's momentum. So there's some of that. Like Harbaugh's not throwing – like he used to throw his hat on the field and get 15 yarders. He's not doing that. I which think I'd rather have him do that. I don't know. I mean, it, you don't want your coach to look like a whiny baby as well. Like he just – he's it, it's no fault. I mean, it is a fault to his own, but like that's just who he is. He's not a coach that instills confidence in you, you as a fan on the sideline, whereas like you look at Mel. Even my – dude, my mom watching, she goes, God, that Michigan State coach, like I'd want to play for him. Look at him. He looks like a guy. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, and then look at Jim. His old, I mean, Jim looks in better shape now, but Jim's getting older and it just looks like he's withering away almost. And it's like, he just doesn't instill confidence the way he does. And like, uh, Cam made a point to call about how just like the stones on Mel Tucker. And like, there's some place here where, where I went through my game notes, bear with me. I'm trying to figure out the first time where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing that. Um, okay, here we go. It was, the second quarter, second quarter, folks, 13 to 7. So Michigan had a third and one um, at about midfield. And they had a bad execution on the play, like trying to run A gap. And then it makes it 13 
Oh no, this is Michigan State. I'm so sorry. Second second quarter, Michigan State is losing 13 to seven. It's a third and one play. Thorne keeps the read option. And remember, he was running towards the sideline, and he couldn't really outstretch the ball, and he got ran out of bounds to make it fourth and one. Okay, in Michigan State, again, context, people. Second quarter, Michigan State is down 13-7, to fourth and one on Michigan's 48. So about midfield and what can still be called a Big Ten football buffet because no one's going crazy, and they go for it. And, like, that is a play I 100% know that Jim Harbaugh's punting. There's no chance Michigan, I don't – Maybe, I don't know, maybe in, against Rutgers they go for it. Maybe against Northwestern they go for it. They're not going for that against Michigan State. They proved that in this game. There was a time earlier in the game where I was cussing them out, uh, and my mom's like, wow, he's really mad. Like, Grant's really mad. Jim for going for it. I was like, yeah, you're not going to. I said in the first quarter you will not win this game with field goals. Wow, how true that proved out to be. But, and then, and not also, this goes on again to the point maybe in the DM is like, not only does Michigan State go for it there, like, it's a recurring theme when Mich- when Mel gives the green light to go for it. It's like a home run play. It's like if we're gonna go down, we're gonna go down with a swing. That play was the he does not uh, mess around. That play on fourth and one was a fake handoff dive, fake reverse to Jane Reed, lofted up seam shot to Jalen Naylor. That almost didn't work because Hutchinson was in it was in Thorne's face. So shout out Thorne for getting that ball. If he just kind of threw it up like a like a pop fly, and it was enough. And and Daxon Hill came in and saved the touchdown that was made off of it. But like. The fact that he has the stones in the second quarter to run that play call, what, like a Michigan move, if Jim were to go for it, that's an A-gap dive that gets stuffed or, or it makes it. Like it's there's no trick play there. There's no like let's let's catch them with their pants down. Um, and then the wherewithal to then be like let's no huddle because Mike McDowell for some reason – Mike McDowell, so we, I touch on that. Um, th- this proved like he's still – he's, he's it, you know – like there as much as I want to get mad at him, like I don't know, it's first year defensive coordinator, biggest game of his life in the biggest role. Like, yeah, tough. Like he's gonna, he, he's just gonna have to learn that you can't substitute when the offense doesn't substitute. And if it happens again, I'm gonna be really mad. But like, it should have been cleaned up halfway through the game. It happened like seven times, which is inexcusable in itself. It just better never happen again. Just figure out a plan that if they're gonna, if they're not substitute, substituting, you're not. But. Michigan State hits the fourth and one. What do they do instead of relaxing? They get on the ball. They go for it. And that's when um, <coughs> um, Kenneth Walker has that kind of dive at the pylon touchdown. When I shit you not. Michigan had 20 guys. There was six guys that, like, weren't even. It was so funny. It was an outside zone blocking scheme to the right. And, like, th- it looked like a screen because three of the offensive linemen had free releases to the, to the secondary. Like, the safeties were being blocked out of the end zone. The easiest touchdown. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And, like, even if it didn't work, it's still a flag. It's like. So that's it, Michael Cosm there. And then there was um, – it was fourth and two. It was fourth and two on Michigan State's, like, 20-yard line in the first quarter. And I was screaming, just go for it. Like, it's it's 7 nothing. You you got an, a gift early touchdown. Not a gift, but, like, you, you got a touchdown that you were not expecting in this game that early. Like, go for it and try to get this to 14 and nothing. It's fourth and two. If you trust your running offense that much, you'll figure it out. Um, and they didn't, and they kicked the field goal to a 10 nothing. So just, like, little plays like that sum up the point that was made by one of our fans. It's just, like, Jim, one, does not instill confidence in you as you watch him. He's not a badass. He's just kind of, like, there. And, two, like, he just – you don't see those kind of things from Michigan. They don't – they actively try to not – they try not to lose the game. They don't try to go and win the game. That's pretty much the best way to sum it up. To follow up Cam's message, uh – What's it take for you to be done with Harbaugh? Well, I know it's a slippery slope. It is. You're still seven and one. 
I want so I'll reiterate because obviously we'll have new listeners for this massive show is that I wanted him gone. I I didn't. Yeah, wanted him's fair. I hate. After I hate. I, hate I feel so. Even though I always say like fire someone upon loss, it's more of a joke. I really feel dirty saying like this guy needs to be fired. Like I don't know. I just feel dirty about it. Like I did want him. I was ready for a new coach after Michigan lost to Indiana last year. Um, the week after the Michigan State game, I was like, all right, if they bounce back and beat a solid Indiana team, I'll be like, okay, let's see how the season goes. Um, and they lost that. I was like, okay, let's use the COVID year. But it turns out no one really fired their coach in the COVID year, which may have been smart because it's like that year kind of sucked for everyone. Come back this year, 7 nothing. We talked about it last show, I think, where like Evan made a great point. It's like all these assistants that you like, which, you know, after a game like this, I still have hope for Mike McDonald. I think he's he's 33. He's young. He's going to he's gonna take his lumps. Like my hope my overall dream is that maybe he can come into like a Jim Leonard role where like he's more confident and he has these boys firing. But right now he's 33. It's his first year. He he kind of pissed down his pants in, in his biggest game so far. Um, but I'm not going to hold that against him. But it makes me think like, okay, is it that bad if all these assistants leave? I don't know. So essentially I'm to the point where you said, what's it going to take? Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'll just lay this out. Michigan wins the rest of their games, except Ohio State. They lose by three touchdowns. You win or lose the bowl game, who cares? Is, are you ready to move on? Yeah, I'm fine if they do. I really wouldn't care. Like, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, this is going to – it might set the program back a couple of years, but I, it's something that, like, I've accepted because, like, I don't see – Would you take Luke Fickle over Harbaugh right now? Yes. Matt Campbell? Yes. Mm. PJ Fleck. No. Evan. Thoughts. Speaking for what he wants. He did have a. I mean, he did have. A, he did have a good year there. I don't. I don't. Evan, would you take PJ Fleck over Mel Tucker? Because I know you love PJ. No. Sorry, PJ. Like it's just the way I can describe it is where you want sad Grant as I pour my third smearing off of the day. We just want to get into it. It's just like. I asked Alex this, and I know, and I understand you guys had some dark years. You had a three and nine year. You had some tough years. We there. haven't had it as bad. But I'm not like, to try to kid you. I just want you guys to always be grateful that your program has, like, won that. You must need. You need to win this game. Like, you want a puke level nervousness game. Because I was reflecting after this Michigan game, and like, I, Michigan's never done it. I mean, I was talking to one Michigan fan that was like, I left over from the tailgate when we got back. Is like, he's like. Yeah, I mean, we beat Penn State in that big game on the revenge tour year. I go, yeah, yeah, but, like, that's not, that's not like, I want to puke in my mouth if we lose game. Like, I'm talking about the Ohio State games. This game was a puke in my mouth game. They just fall short, and I just don't know, after seven years, is it going to change? Like, it just almost, I'm not angry anymore. It's the classic I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm apathetic. I am indifferent. I am numb to this football team, and, like, I wrote down, like, not to get, you know, but this is what our fans should know. This this loss fundamentally changed, like, how I'm thinking about my Michigan fandom. Not in a sense, like, I'm not jumping ship. I'm not a poser. I'm just saying, like, for the sake of this podcast as well, there's there's Michigan fan grant and then there's, like, national unbiased grant. Like, Michigan fan grant from, from going forward in a big game will never think Michigan will win going into it. That's It's changed. This game changed it. This no. game... No, this game was on a thread. No, it will. I said Michigan 27 26 because I was like, this could be this. I felt good about this team and they blew this game. 
And now it's like, you're going to ask me what the Ohio State score is going to be. It's not, I'm not picking Michigan to win. I'm not going to think that they're going to win. And it's going to have to take like a, I'm going to be the surprise guy. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they did it. Which I probably should have gotten there three years ago. Now I'm finally there. It's over. It's just like, they're going to lose every big game that I see. Evan, what are your thoughts on Harbaugh? The, the, the real harsh reality thoughts. The real harsh reality thoughts? Like, you know, get after him if you want to. How harsh do you want these? I want him to be as, as honest and truthful as you can possibly be. I don't want you to hold back because we're on a podcast. The honest and truthful opinion is that this is the problem that the Michigan fans created when they got when they hired Harbaugh. Is to build up an anticipation that he was the savior of the program and lead him to new heights that the program hasn't seen since Lloyd Carr took over. Yeah, you have some dark years and you always thought, okay, it was the coaching and staff, but the time in college football has changed where when you build up something so high in your mind, it when it doesn't happen, you reality check of the people that's expecting that from them. I think, yeah, now Harbaugh has not won as many games and like he's had a lot of big games like there, but he's one or two plays away from changing the narrative of his career. Um, he's a successful coach. He has a winning record no matter where he's at. Um, but I think it's the, it's, I dare I say it, it's the brand and what the fans are expecting from him and a reality check. I think the fans need to check themselves to what you should expect. Do you guys want to go there? Like, we want to get deep? Just, it's simple as I you mean, can it, say it. It, it, it. I think it hurts even more now that Michigan State is like successful and has been more successful recently. That when you look at like, well, they're doing it. Why can't we? And we are better than them. Here it yeah, is because that you builds up. You always like those fans always feel like we're better than them. Well, when, when and that them is Ohio State, Michigan State. When reality checks, they're just not. Here it is. Ready? Yeah. From nineteen ninety four. This is from um. A, a Michigan slappy on Twitter. I think his name was Don Thomas or Don. He actually made a good point in this game. He took his, some Michigan fans did not take this lump well. He took the lump well. He made a good point. He said, he didn't say this. I'm going to, I'm going to say what he was trying to say. 1994 to 2007. So the, the baby years of our lives before we were born to the baby years when Grant was just a wee lad with a Braylon Edwards jersey on. But now I don't like that guy anymore. Mich- we'll get to that later. Michigan uh, won 11 times. Michigan State won three. Mike Hart drops the Little Brother line, 2008 to 2021, Michigan State 10, Michigan 4. Michigan's Little Brother now. And if they don't wake up and figure it out, then it's just going to – how are you going to get off the mat? You look at those that years and that split, as, as all you Michigan fans, when I was still a kid and didn't understand the rivalry, that made fun of Michigan State and thought, oh, you just you, you win that game. Now you have to figure out how to like fire yourself up to come back, and I honestly don't know if Jim's the guy to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Jim should call some former players and tell them to just shut their mouth because they just keep uh, they keep feeding Michigan State players more and more every year, and they don't need to be doing that. I don't. They already have enough motivation. I do not want to swear, and you just let me know. I had a whole block written down. I'll do it now. I don't want to swear because I don't want to bleep myself out. I don't want people to hear me. Blake Grant's a little harsh, but like honestly, Braylon Edwards, his dad Taylor Juan, Ryan Armani from Woodward Sports are all absolute losers. Like, the idioticness of all these people talking about Michigan, it just sucks because, like, I grew up, I, like, I never, like, I knew, like, the joke about Michigan fans being arrogant, but you just see it more and more, and they just show their true colors, and it sucks, honestly, guys, to be a part of that fan base, 
Because there's Good so telling, many, man. It's real. There's so many idiots, and I'm not jumping ship. I'm just gonna try. I'm gonna try. I mean, I don't have a big enough platform, but maybe one day I would love to change like the fan culture of how they like think about the team and like just come down to my level and get gritty with it and just realize that you're not that good and then you just have to build back up because like think about this how stupid this is like braylon and taylor lawan they're they say they're these big michigan men like what you did this weekly up actively hurt the team that you wanted to win like it doesn't help your team at all it actively hurts and if i was Cade or i was Hutchinson, i'd be those guys for what they said it's like these guys the this michigan team has been buttoned up they haven't said a word um, one reporter baited Blake Corum about Mike Hart's comments during the week. He said he brushed it off. Like they didn't give anything. Um, and you sure as no, after talking about Mel Tucker, he's not letting his team say anything stupid before the game. And it's like, it's one thing to do it after the game. Like I understand the Mike Hart comments, like turn the rivalry and all that. But like, if you really think about it, you can live with that as a fan where like he was four and against them. He told the truth. And Mark Antonio, like I was reading back into it, Mark Antonio made a comment about the App State game, like when he was asked about it. So like there was kind of this banter to go, and like yes, Mike Hart, I'm sure maybe regrets. He probably does regret. He's like, yeah, turn the tide of the rivalry. If I would have, if he would have known what would have happened since, he wouldn't have done it. At least he did it after when he was four and zero. You know, like he did. He felt like he owned the program, and he said it. He was a college kid in the moment. I can get over that. I can for I can forgive that. He's moved on from that. But, like, Taylor Dewan going one and four. And, like, you're playing for the Titans and you're hurt. And some reporter probably asked you about the game this week. And you felt like anyone in Nashville, Tennessee wanted to hear your stupid rant about the rivalry game. And then you tweet it out yourself and it gets picked up. Like, you look like such a clown and moron and, like, scumbag and just an absolute moron. And the fact, and then it makes it worse. Like, that's one thing. But then Braylon Edwards, who his job is in media now, and his job legitimately is working for a company to like know about both teams, and he makes a stupid comment that he can't name a player on Michigan State's Joe defense who's like a ten, who's like a top ten in the country. It's like these people, and the worst is that they're former players, and the worst with Braylon is that he was one of the best receivers in history, and now he's just a joke. They're like you're saying this stupid stuff that's actively hurting the team you want to win. And I feel bad for the current players that have to deal with this because they didn't provide any Baltimore board material. They were good about that. And you have these dumb players doing that. Like, I can live. I don't like Draymond, but I can live with what Draymond did after the game. They won. Like, you can talk you can talk smack after you win. You can talk smack during the game. Like, Xavier Henderson said him and Eric all were going at it. That's fine. You're in the heat of the battle. All these people talking smack. I wrote this down because you guys will be able to understand this. It's like, imagine if we were on some, like, show – then they were previewing a Tecumseh versus Chelsea football game district final matchup. We wouldn't go on there before the game and say, like, oh, Chelsea stinks. We're going we're gonna, to, like, pound them. Like, if you think about our high school in all sports, football, baseball, basketball, we pretty much kind of went back and forth with that team, and there was some respect there. Like, we didn't like them, but we knew they were a good opponent. You don't go on there and say to their little brother, we're going to donkey them in their stadium. I would never say that if someone asked me, Tecumseh versus Chelsea football grant when you're 25 years, 30 years old. Like, how's it going to go? I'd be like, I don't know. It's probably going to be a good game if both teams are good. I understood a little bit of trash talk last year, like when you think you can beat a team. But like after last year learning that they were fair by 20 points and they still lost, how do you have the nerve to talk any pregame when you don't play for either team? Like, if Hutchinson or one of the receivers, I would hate it if they pregame. At least they have a chance to inf- – influence the game like if you're gonna run your mouth you have a chance to back it up these and i like rich rich eisen too but the fact that he spent seven minutes a day talking about the officiating in the game 
made me want to throw up. And I like Rich Eisen. He's a smart guy, I think, for the most part. The f- and he kind of did this little bit where he said very nice things about Michigan State. He goes, now do you want, like, you want, like, the spicy version? Like, I don't know if these guys are just idiots and doing it for clicks or what. Now, I don't even want to say this guy's name again. He's such a loser on, the, on Braylon's co-host, Ryan Armani. This pinhead was tweeting all game about, like, how the game was stolen from Michigan. There were six, all six reviews were bad calls. Like, in what world were Jane Reed's catches not catches, you dumb idiot? They were both catches. They were the right play. Like, what are we talking about? And then he has the nerve to delete all of his tweets from the game. And then he said, he tweets that I deleted all my tweets from the Michigan-Michigan State game because there was uh, so many toxic comments. Like, when you say stupid stuff on the internet, people are going to tell you about it. Like, and I honestly, and also embarrassing of Bill Edwards to have your dad call in the 97-1 and try to defend you. But like, if any of those guys have the nerve to somehow hear this, they probably do. They probably search the webs for their name or those type of people. If you want to come on the show and talk about it, we can. And I can tell you that you're actively hurting the program that you say you like. Yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty, pretty solidly. It's I mean, so stupid, guys. The Michigan arrogance is... I, I want to say it's not a real thing, but every year I see it and it just continues. So Even we can get any gritty stop. and it's so almost poetic that we hired Jim Harbaugh, not we, Michigan hired Jim Harbaugh, that like Mel's phrase is keep chopping relentless. Jim, Har- you can't make this up. The air, the people talk about the arrogance of Michigan, that Jim Harbaugh's phrase is who's got it better than us. Nobody. How that is like might possibly be the most arrogant phrase of all time. Like, say, I don't know, Alabama, Michigan State, Ohio State, Georgia, any team that has, like, won their conference championship has it better than us? Maybe, like, retire that phrase. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty good. That was one of my rant on that. I, I just I just wonder every year, is, is it ever – how many times do you have to lose big games and how many times does your program have to not win the Big Ten, not make it to the Big Ten championship game? Over and over and over again, my whole life, basically. And yet still every year, there's just a sense of entitlement and the sense that you're just a superior program. I mean, I've seen so many comments and YouTube comments on our videos and how Michigan State is beneath Michigan. And that doesn't, that's not every Michigan fan. I would never think that that's all Michigan fans because Grant's a Michigan fan. I don't think he's... I'm trying to change the culture one man at a time. But, I mean, how, how many Michigan fans are just going to say every year, oh, Michigan State, they're, they're the little sister program. They're beneath us. They'll never be on our level. What, what is it going to take to realize that it's not the case? It's like we talk about those comments are so out of this world, like unbelievable that the people would be that stupid to say that. I, it makes me like want to believe that they're like bots. Like blows in, my mind. Like I want to think that they're year. actually Michigan State fans making fake accounts to drive the narrative that Michigan's arrogant, which I actually respect. It's a very sneaky rivalry move. But like that's how insane some of these takes are by people. But they're not. They're real breathing people. Taylor Lewan saying, "I'm not going to say it, but mm, Michigan State is like you look." The guy's a loser. And Evan, as a Titans fan, please give your take on that. Uh, you know, as a Titans fan, we don't associate him with him. Um, <laughs> he's an overrated, overpaid offensive lineman. I just can't believe it. It hurts the team. They're like, atten- I wrote attention-seeking, ignorant, arrogant, actively hurting the team. Where like the quotes that you, like, it's like they just, they want attention. Like they want to be squids. It's so dumb. Just losers. And I, it makes me feel even more bad for the current players. They didn't ask for that. You think they wanted that? No. They don't want you guys running your hot air mouse. And then like that video is for sure. That's in every single Michigan State player's locker room. Watch. Like you saw Xavier Henderson. Xavier Henderson was 
pissed yes. about it. And and he thanked him. That kid gets it. He did. He did it post game. He like waited till they won the game. He wouldn't have said probably anything if it gone differently. It's just like stupid, dude. It's like why do you do that? Coughlin quoted Luan on the field. Coughlin quoted. It's like as soon as the game ended, he's celebrating on the field. He remembers what Luan said. He quoted exactly what Luan said. Keep doing it. It fuels Michigan State. I'm just gonna try to beg Michigan fans. I don't. This won't hear enough people, but like, stop. Just stop doing it. Just swallow the pill and just shut up for like maybe just shut up for a whole season and focus on basketball. It doesn't make sense because like Michigan basketball Twitter is like so nuts. They're like. I don't know. They're not like unless Illinois. They're not as like ignorant. Maybe just because they, they like can't be. I don't know. That's not. I I don't know. I don't know where this ignorance comes from for Michigan football because in my life they've never been. I don't get it. Maybe our, maybe my generation will change it. But like I, when I was a kid, they lost every Rose Bowl they played in, and they haven't won a Big Ten title. So I don't know how you like think that you're contending for anything. How many games do you have to lose, and how many games do you have to get pummeled against Ohio State to just? Humble yourself. It's good. That's why I would. That's when you said Matt Campbell. I would take Matt Campbell because Matt Campbell would flip this culture on his head, and they would. He would turn this into like an Iowa State mentality, where like we need to. We're the hunt. We're the hunters, not the hunted. But I think there's still the hunted mentality at Michigan right now. Like I said, I'm Jim. I'm calling all these former players and just being like, "Hey, that would be it." And I hang up the yeah. phone. You just can't keep doing it. Yeah. But keep doing it because I'm I'm good with it. Uh, guys, question. Simple one, but are both teams good? Do we know yet? I know we talked about we not sure, and then we just saw them play, and they play each other really tight. I know I'm comfortable saying both teams aren't bad. I think they're both um, upper echelon teams. That's coach speak. I guess I was thinking about how I view teams in tiers of college football. Like good means that like you're gonna pretty much be in every game, and you're not gonna. Like, you're not going to lose games. You're not going to lose, like, Nebraska. That's how I knew both of these teams were good. They both beat Nebraska in, like, tight games. Like, okay, you have some character to you. I don't know if both teams are – I wouldn't put them in the great category. I think there's good, then great, then elite in, like, the, the good tier of college football. Um, I think the only elite team this year so far is Georgia. I think they're in the elite category. I think everyone else is good. I would say both of our teams are good. Um, I think they're both good. But not great. I'm not ready to declare them, you know, national champion. They're neither are on the level of Georgia, which we could go into fan question from Jason. Yeah, let's just hammer that. What Michigan State plays Georgia Evan on Saturday, and then Michigan plays Georgia on Saturday. What's the score of those games? A lot to a little in favor of Georgia. Yeah. Um. Didn't they win this week? Animals. They win thirty. They won thirty-four seven this week to Florida. Seven points. Maybe thir- yes. maybe thirty. Um, the defense is 10. a step above everybody. It's an NFL defense. Yes, you'll look back at like the former Alabama teams where you look back at like their starting lineup and they're all like NFL starters. You're going to look back at this Georgia defense and they're going to be like all NFL starters. Yeah. Um, do they have a chance to keep it close? I think both teams could. Um, a lot would have to go their way for that to happen. I think correct. Um, if you were down in Athens, Georgia, right now, I don't think it would be a little shell shock for both teams. Um, they could keep it close for a while, uh, but I don't see them winning that football game. I think it'd be like ten seven for a while, and then it turned to like thirty thirty four to ten or something. I'd go thirty one thirteen probably. I just yeah. don't see how either team could score. It'd feel like farther away than that final score. Like it'd be like, oh, that's just. I think these teams are good, but if we're comparing them to the the national like 
championship level of a Georgia, neither team is in that discussion. No, I agree. I guess I, I kind of misspoke. But like, there's a to me, there's an elite tier, and it's only Georgia right now. And then there's a great team, and then there's a good team. And I think both these teams are in the good team. And I think there's maybe a sprinkle of teams that are in the great tier. Like, I don't really know. Who would you put in the great tier? I would put Alabama in the great team. I think they will. I think I'm betting on, I'm obviously like predicting. One game, dude. Tennessee, they struggle. I'm predicting these teams will be like, ended up losing great. Um, That's really, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think Ohio State's higher in the good tier. I don't think they're, I don't think Ohio State's great. I'll I'll tell you that. I think if Alabama and Ohio State played, Alabama would win by like at least ten, by by ten. Um, but like, this is how I'm gonna like how I said with a phrase: it. Michigan fan Grant is not gonna predict Michigan to win. But if unbiased national reporter Grant would say, like, I would still stick to my point: this this Ohio State team is a little bit more vulnerable than they have in the past with Justin Fields. So I think for Michigan and Michigan State, if you're going to pick off Ohio State. Uh, in the conference and win it, it would be this kind of year with what I saw from these two teams on Saturday. I think I wrote down, I guess, do you feel better or worse or the same about either of these teams being OSU? I think from watching both these teams, they showed me like dimensions of their team that I feel better about it. I Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I feel better about the odds of them beating Ohio State. Do you? How do you guys feel about it? I feel better just knowing that. I mean, I don't really feel better. I think I feel the same, but at least I saw in a big game Michigan State's ability to, for one, we saw them come back from a big deficit. Uh, so they showed some grit. It was at home. They had the fans powering them. I don't know. I don't feel better. I don't feel worse. It's probably just the same for me. Uh, maybe a little better just because they showed grittiness. I would think Kenneth Walker's performance would make me, as a state fan, feel better about I know he's the dude. I just know that Ohio State's going to try to just completely take that away. And Jalen Naylor, who knows if he's going to be in that game. And that kind of makes me not go to the better side. For Michigan, I would say I feel better that they can beat Ohio State. I don't think they will. But I would say I feel a little better after I saw their passing game a little more. But I I don't feel good about either winning at this moment. Good chance. No, I don't think either. I don't think either team has a chance against Ohio State. Oh, I'd um, say they have a chance. I wouldn't go that. No, I don't think they do. You, <laughs> I don't think you understand how good Ohio State's offense really is. I mean, they're top five in almost every single FBS category. Uh, no, I, I think they're, they're a good team for sure. So you feel about the same, Evan? Because you were already, yeah, you were there before this. Yeah, game. I feel the same. Correct. I still don't think either team has a chance against Ohio State. Maybe Michigan, probably a little bit more, just because it's a home field advantage, um, and it's at noon. Um, but if you're looking at the Michigan State game, I mean, all all signs point to either it's going to be at noon on Fox or it's going to be seven thirty prime time. Yeah. Um. I guess based on that, because obviously there's still flaws that we saw in these teams, what is the biggest thing you think, give your Michigan and Michigan side, the biggest thing each team needs to work on going forward? I don't want to be the obvious one, but uh, I think third down efficiency for Michigan State and defending that uh, the crossing route um, by either receiver or just like the middle of the field zone. Either you're a man or you're in a soft zone that know the field was a little soft and like too many times, McNair found that guy over the middle for an easy completion. So third down efficiency. Uh, I know Michigan's wasn't great. It was a little below 50%, but 
it's still too high. Too many loft, too many third down and longs where you all the momentum's on your side and then they convert. Uh, uh, so passing defense, obviously, because you have a four hundred six to McNamara. Evan, I'll hop in on. For, I'll hop in real quick there. I'll that I was gonna try to think of a new one because that was one of mine, but I think that's so the obvious clearing thing. If I was a Michigan State fan, like what needs to be worked on going forward was those middle of the field routes, which they kind of did start to take away towards the end of the game. Like they quarter were making adjustments, but you know that like whatever Gaddis and Harbaugh's playbook consists of crossing routes, like Ryan Day has a thousand times more and there have better athletes coming across the middle. So I think that would be the biggest thing to try to clean up because Ohio State is just going to abuse the middle of the field against any team they play. So I think that that is the biggest thing um, there. What was your, what were you going to get to with Michigan there? I mean, it's hard to tell, but like front seven still, I mean, the pass rush, I would say pass rush is still solid. Yeah, I um, agree. Dude, I, the craziest thing is like, I was thinking about their defense, but like watching back, it's like, it's, I, I don't, I don't know if they just didn't, it's like Kenneth Walker. It's simply just that. Like they run like Michigan State. Now this is a sweaty thing, Evan, that we can briefly get into. Um, that I know will perk you up, but like I was rewatching the game and hearing other people talk and thinking about again why I think I'm ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh. Is I I'll say it. I think the whole like power gap running in college football is dead for now. I don't know if there'll be a revival one year, but like you look at Wisconsin, you look at Michigan, two like Big Ten power gap running scheme teams. Teams do both. Like Michigan State, where you see guys pull guards and run gap plays sometimes. But Michigan is a primarily gap running team, um, as opposed to Michigan State with a guy like Kenneth Walker is a you know zone zone blocking type thing. Like for for the nerds out there, it's essentially like. With Michigan's offense, they they have the classic like, okay, we're running 32-22 blank. So like this is going to the two hole. Like there's not really an option for the running back to cut. Whereas a lot of times you'll watch Michigan State and they'll all just take a step to their left and have a kind of like they'll have Connor Hayward come the other way to seal guy. And then it's like, Kenneth, you have three holes you can pick from and like do what you need to do. Like and I think what Ohio State does a lot of that, like what Michigan State and Ohio State are doing is like modern football and what's having a coming of age right now. And Jim is still stuck running his power gap scheme from the NFL. And it's like asking offensive linemen to do that pulling, that much pulling. Like if you go back again, watch the game, it's like there's so many times when Michigan will run that gap pulling play. And like it's just so slow developing. And these defensive linemen, like credit to, I would say the unsung heroes of the game, obviously where the trenches were um, Slade and Barrow, 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 Barrow. Just like blowing up the center and the guard on those things, and then that allowed Crouch and Halliday to just fly down and make plays. It's like, and, and obviously, I, I think the case is the case is clearly settled that Corum and Haskins are good backs, but they're not Kenneth Walker. But I still think if you ran more zone blocking, like you give a guy shifty guy like Corum to make a decision on what hole he wants to hit, it work out better for you than forcing that kid through like the, a specific gap every play. So. What I would like to see for Michigan going forward is to incorporate more of that. I know they're not going to, but that's just kind of a bigger picture of why I'm ready for Harbaugh to leave because I know that power gap running scheme is not Gaddis's idea. That's solely like that's Harbaugh. He's like, this is what we're, this is our identity. This is what we're going to do. You work your offensive plays around that. I feel very comfortable saying that because Alabama, Nick Saban has talked about how he has left that AJ McCarron days. They don't do that anymore. They spread you out. They're modern. They figured out how to use Najee Harris. Like it's different. 
Jim has not adapted to that. So that's one thing. I mean, because because like I, but what I was getting to is like the defense. I don't like what do you work on? Like you you had good pressure. You like were getting to places, and then kind of just cuts back and runs twenty yards the other way, and then you're out of position. Like I, how do you fix that? You just hope that you hope that the next running back you face doesn't do that. But yeah, offensively, I guess this is like. They, they do. They had to figure out how to run better against tougher teams because we talked about putting them in a phone booth. They, they, and I think on the way to Ford Field, I tried to say they ran the ball decently well. They did not run the ball that well. Like, it was, like, okay, but it was not good enough. Like, and I also think if you're not running the ball, lean into the passing game more. Like, honestly, we're watching back the tape. I would have been fine if K through 55 times because, like, that, those plays were working much better than the A-gap runs. Alex. Um, for Michigan State covering the middle of the field for Michigan. I don't know. Like you guys said, it's kind of hard to pick out one thing for Michigan. They, they're overall pretty sound football team. They don't do anything like terrible. They don't do anything great. Uh, but if it were me to pick something different, I don't know, coverage. Corners. I, I would pick I would pick red zone efficiency or like down touchdowns. Like, if advantage <laughs> score touchdowns. Don't kick field goals. <laughs> score touchdowns. Correct. I mean that's the big outlier because I mean your field goal is four for four, where we didn't even attempt a field goal. They were two for six. Okay, I have one. Zone. I have one. Either don't bring JJ in mid drives. If you're going to bring JJ in, let JJ in let him take the whole drive. That's what I'll say. How about I, stop bringing him in? Yeah, it, you're either in the. As yeah, a, that's what I would do. I would I would not bring him in, but if I was if I was going to, I would let him take the whole drive. If you want to give the defense a different look, I would not do this whole like every other play in the middle of drives things. Yeah, Evan, did you feel like because I was I, I like your X's and O's analysis? Did you feel like that? Like I was watching back the game and I was like, this power gap running thing is not going to work against the big teams in in the big time. Correct. Um. And I don't know if, like, because you rewatch it and they run, like, the play that you're thinking of, they run it a lot. They just pull they all the time. still thought that they had the look no matter what. Um, they really did not run. Me personally, me personally, because we only have two linebackers, it's probably, numbers-wise, it's probably like, oh, we should be able to run it. But, like, Jimmy and Joe's-wise, it wasn't executed, so you got to move on from it. Um, you, got, you guys had, like, seven to eight. Ish. I mean, you can define how tight the box is, but like there was seven to eight guys in the box a lot of the time, and they would just like run into it. And I was like, again, what are you guys doing? I think what when when um the end of D'Antonio was like when your guys' offense was in the dark days, were they doing like a power run scheme, or did they at least graduate to like the zone blocking? Uh, I would say we were probably 60, 40, 70, 30, but more man, still the man old style blocking because we didn't bring in a new staff we also did uh nothing well so it's just i mean we did uh, daytonia was uh is well 2017 we were a tad bit more zoned because of work he's running ability yeah i would agree i have two photos to show you guys just to illuminate my point it's not great podcasting but i just want you to see it i took them day while i was re-watching it this was in the first quarter i talked about where they still have the field goal look at the third and three call the, the, the run they dialed up there was an A-gap run. When you look at the box and how things are spread out to the left. They didn't work. No. It was stuffed. And then that was when it was fourth and two, and they kicked the field goal instead of going for it on, like, the 20 for two yards. And it was 10-7. It was, it was bad design. So this, Evan, I don't know. If, 
Because like, there's one drive, you get down there. Dude, look and at, you look, run three run plays right look, look at the trips. Look at there's there's three on three, and then there's a fourth H back. If you just swing anyone out and let the, if you run a bubble to the inside slot, easy. and then you have H go block that guy, you're gonna probably get three yards. And yet they ran they ran right into that seven man box A gap, and it got stuffed. And then this one makes me want to puke even more. This was a third and one, and instead of running an outside zone to the left, they ran an A gap. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's tough. This was twenty three fourteen, Evan. Um, <laughs> that's tough. what is that fourth and one? Look at to the. Oh, this is the play that Kale Holiday just beats him yes, across yes, the face. Because almost like look, yes. it looked like Henny didn't want anything to do with like blocking. But yes, I know that exact play. And also sneaky uh-huh. on that play, they were running in like the trips late, and so Henny wasn't barely even set and didn't know who. The block and they just ran that play instead of running and i mean i don't know if that's on the quarterback to just say hey let's run an outside zone because look at the other side of the field there's nobody over there it's just maddening that they still do that um that's my rant on that but i guess we touched on the biggest things going forward um briefly because this show talks about how we love consuming all the media after the game was there a Favorite video image that you guys saw from the from the post game that really tickled your fancy? Just the, like five minute recap of the day that Michigan State football <laughs> tweeted. Yeah, and then also Spartan All Access dropped like a nine and a half minute video of the game. I love watching those. Those are like my the one I wait for. I have one that I think Evan should say, but I don't. There's a lot of great pictures. Uh, Mark Antonio watching the celebration. No, he looks like a creepy old uncle. Thought that was awesome. <laughs> Just, it's like the passing of the torch. Evan, there's the one clip I feel like you have to say. No, it's not the Paul Bunyan trophy talking. Can't be that. No, that's weird. That was the weirdest thing <laughs> of the day. This is Sparta! Yeah, that's freaky. <laughs> that was freaky. Oh, it's it's Welcome to New York. Or like... Hello, New York. Hello, New York. It's got to be that for you. Oh, I mean, the first time I heard that, I mean, goosebumps. I think Gus Johnson and Joel Clay did a fantastic job both ways. Yeah, so Um, Michigan State fans can apologize because there were some that hated Gus Johnson going into this game. No, I know it's not you guys. I don't hate Gus. Um, Yeah, but but, I mean, chills. Um, Gus Johnson, I think, is just for like the best player or the best moments. And I think his call on that play... Should give Michigan State fans goosebumps. My two, if I was my unbiased national reporter, would just be like the still shot of um, Brantley's one hand on the pick before he makes the play to bring it in. That was that was like a Charles Woodson esque kind of picture where it was like a sweet pick in the big game. And then um, as a Michigan fan, as Grant Michigan fan, if they had won, my favorite picture would have been like the Andre Anthony Moss picture in the end zone. Jane Reed's picture of the Moss was also pretty hard. Yeah, um, that was that was good. And also, yeah, you talked to me about that. I watched that back. So they lined up normal, and then they just audible to everyone to the left. Four to the left. Right. They ran four in a in a what's that called a rhombus, a diamond, four diamond on the left. Diamond. And they just again that that goes to Mel Tucker's nuts and how he's like, if we're going to lose, Huge we're going stones. to lose going to our best players. <laughs> and also, this is so. I mean, not to. It's just so unfair that like Thorne and Reed played high school together. I'm so like it just you can tell the connections there. They know each other's body language like to a T, and it sucks. <laughs> Did you know Clayton Kershaw and Stafford went to the same high school? They yeah, they were friends. If they played football together, I'm sure it would have been the same. They played baseball together. <laughs> um, is that? I hate to say, is that everything for the game? Oh, one brief funny thing from Grant. 
is uh, how we talked about coping. How did I cope after this game? I found out I did something new, something I've never done before. I just grabbed. I went. We went. We went back to where our church tailgate was for a little bit, um, and I was just hammering Jaeger and Fireball, like mixed with orange juice, because I just took the remnants of what was left. So I took this the gallon of orange juice, Fireball, and Jaeger, and we're just yugging it. And honestly, orange juice might be the best the best mixer on the planet. Love orange juice. After coming through with that, it masked the taste of those whiskeys so easily. It was unbelievable. So I got pretty buzzed there. That's why I was like hung over at 7 p.m. And then um, this was kind of Alex last night. So Sunday night, we got obviously we got back from the Lions game. And we're like, we're just going to go down rabbit holes. We all set up like the media. Like we're really going to soak it in because we wasted our time at the Lions game. I legitimately was so down bad. I know down bad is like down bad is actually supposed to be if you're depressingly horny but people use it if it's like you're sad like about something so i'll use it in this case i was down bad that i was like doing x's and o's research of like how to become a coach because i thought grant like the only way to change your fate as a fan is if you become a coach of a team you like and like have control over the games and i was like i think that's what i need i just need to go coach a high school one day and be like i only care about if we win i don't care about michigan i don't care about the lines i just care about the team that i win and if i lose at least i can look myself in the mirror like i caused it like i'm not a fan where i have no control over the game that's what i did i legitimately convinced myself i was going to be a coach that's pretty dark it was dark times in the uh birmingham apartment it was bad now everyone knows where we live the city okay alabama duh roll tide michigan indiana I was right from previous. 7.30 p.m. on Fox. Michigan is favored by 20 smackaroos. Indiana's on QB like 36. Grant, keys um, and prediction. The only the keys, the only thing I think that's going to be different, like I, I do think we watched Michigan State play this team, and they, they checked Kenneth Walker pretty well because we talked about how good their linebackers are. Um, and as I alluded to the, with the X's and O's of the – power run scheme i think when you watch these slow developing run plays for michigan they're going to get blown up a lot so i think michigan is going to struggle running the football again in this game and i think they're going to rely on kate again to throw i think really the only difference in this game that's going to let michigan win the game is one it's at night and it's going to be hopefully a you know good atmosphere and then two like obviously indiana's defense is much worse than michigan states or indiana's offense is much worse than michigan states that's what i meant to say i think they're on their third string quarterback i don't know if yeah i don't know if, i don't know if tuttle will be back i don't know if phoenix will be back they're all kind of vanilla whatever who cares what happens um i just know their offenses will not be as good so i think michigan will win Must I, win meter it's a must win it's a, it's almost a fire someone upon a loss where it's just like, yeah, you know what? It is. Yes. That dumb coach with that keeps getting the screenshot with the stupid eyebrows in the turnover photo, Ryan Osborne, he can be fired. That guy's a little loser. Um, so fire him upon a loss. <laughs> no, that guy's an actual loser. And prediction. Um, Michigan. 31. Indiana, 13. Um, I will say as a Michigan fan, like what I'm really hoping for here is that like they show up pissed off. Like I'll know if this team has anything left in the tank for this year that's worth rooting for if they show up pissed off, which based on everything I heard post-game, I think they are. Like the look on them, the way they talk, like they're like, we know everything's still in front of us. Like obviously they don't control their own destiny now, but like their goals they set, they can still get – as close as they can to reaching them by just winning out. So 
if if they look dead, I'm going to be really mad. But if they look like they're ready to go, then I'll be like, okay, I'll give you guys another chance. Evan must win in the score prediction. Must win. I would say it's just a must win for Michigan. They still only have one loss on the year. Indiana stinks. Tom Allen stinks. He's a really bad coach. Which five to ten? Which Evan? You know now that you talk about it. If Michigan loses this game, they should fire somebody. It'd be embarrassing. I mean, it would be embarrassing, but you know, I don't think they would do it. But it's a must win. You believe you lead me that way. I think you should be fire someone. No, Evan, go with what you. <laughs> Dude, how embarrassing! Like, I'm all into firing somebody. Um, well, at least at least Indiana won't run on tempo, so you don't have to worry about making subs. Um, you know, forty-five ten. I don't think I don't think it will be close. I really don't. I hope it's that, Alex. Oh, so I think Michigan will come out pissed off, and this is a fire Jim Harbaugh upon loss, and I think Michigan wins handily. 38-6. Indiana doesn't score a touchdown. Yeah, I feel like people need to start understanding that fire someone upon loss is almost a compliment because like, there's no way you should lose the game. Like, that's how confident I feel like they just, they just need to win the game. They're like, if you lose the game, things need to happen. Um, now for the game that I'm going to be dialed into. I'm actually very excited to watch this 3.30 p.m. on ABC game. Um Sean McDonough. Michigan State Potential. minus two and a half at Purdue. Wait a second. I'll give you who it is. The word on the street is Evan Chemist will be in attendance for this game. Is that Not finalized? just the word on the street. This is a uh, given fact. I will be in attendance. Finalized detail. But you don't get Sean McDonough then. I think Mel Tucker said he wants fans to travel to West Lafayette, and you are answering the bell. You do not want to get beat up by Mel Tucker, so you're driving your butt to West right. Lafayette. Yes. He Great signaled job, me man. out and said, you have to go, son. And I said, yes, sir. I don't – here's the thing. What did Purdue – Pick Purdue, man. They beat Nebraska last week, right? Uh, yeah, they were – Adrian Martinez threw four picks, and he threw one of the worst interceptions I have ever seen. I haven't watched them play since the um, Iowa game, so obviously I have, like, these grand thoughts of Purdue in my head. I believe there's a clip of Mel Tucker railing off all the upsets they've had over big teams. There was that stat we even talked about, about how, like, they have the most wins over top two teams ever. And as Alex theorized in our group chat, if Michigan State opens up his two in the couch football playoff rankings, take Purdue money line. You better pray that Michigan State is not number two because that's just mojo. They're going to be. Um... Dude, I don't know. This is a classic college football game where it's like the letdown spot. Let me just tell you, today Mellon, his presser, said he no. doesn't even know what a trap game <laughs> is. I know. Because that no. guy is a bad mother effer. And he and that's why I'm not as worried as I no, should be. No, and right. And Mel Tucker will say that because Mel Tucker is just kind of going to celebrate for one night. But you can't tell me that like guys on the team that are 18 to 19 to 20 years old aren't checking their social media looking at all the cool photos of them in the Michigan game. Like, this is going to last. I, w- I don't think a lot of Michigan State players will, and rightfully so, will move on from that game until, like, Wednesday. I wouldn't if I was a player. I would, I would walk into Drew like, we just beat Michigan. We're going we're gonna to handle Purdue because we're sick. And we have Kenneth Walker on our team. If I had Kenneth Walker on my team, I don't think I'd prep at all. Like, this guy's just going to figure it out. So, I do think it's going to be tight. I think the line reflects that. It's a 
it's a must win for Michigan State. Let's get that clear. You have to win this game because now the expectations have changed and you need showdowns between Penn State and Ohio State. I think Michigan State wins a Matt Coglin squeaker 29 to 26. Because he didn't get he didn't get used last game. He's gotta get used this game. Must win meter, keys, and a prediction. Must win meter is obviously a must win. Um prediction. Hmm. Prediction. Michigan State 35. Purdue 28. Um, keys to the game. Yeah, like I don't know anything about Purdue really other than David Bell. Is what Their defense I- is pretty decent. They got some players. Their offense struggles mightily. They can't run the football. And they got one receiver that kind of makes the difference for them, I guess. But they've they've changed quarterbacks multiple times this year. They're okay. They're a decent they're a decent Big Ten team. Kind of like Michigan is kind of rotated between quarterbacks. They're Michigan. Michigan is significantly better than them. Thanks. Keys to the game: come out fast and heavy. The Gophers um, in all white uniforms. I don't think so. Uh, no green gruff helmet prediction. I'm going green, white, white. <laughs> you guys yeah. need uniforms. Um, and then the keys to the game: start fast. Stay balanced offensively, 50-50. Don't get happy with what just happened. Um, Kenneth Walker will get his yards, but don't overdo it. Um, and then defensively, keep bend. You you must bend this game because they will throw the ball 55 times. Purdue will? I, I'm predicting it. That's, everyone's going to do that. Are they just going to do like the Indiana blueprint where they try to quit game you guys to death? Yeah. And then settle for field goals. And I, I, I do out. feel confident in Ronald Williams on David Bell. I hope he shadows him. Mm. I was I, I hope it's not like, oh, he's the field corner. I like like man up and like shadow him everywhere you go. Now I don't care about running man the entire time, obviously they would kill Ronald Williams. But like <laughs> he should be on the same field as David Bell every single time. And then bluff your coverages. Um and we'll see if we can actually get pressure this week. A little bit more pressure. I think it's a must win. Everyone seems nervous about this game. Oh, this could be a harder game than the Michigan game. Oh, I've seen all. I've seen it all. Might be so harder. It's just I've seen it. Down. I've seen it all over. That this is a this is a tougher opponent. And all these that's the stupid Michigan not State true. fans. That's outra- that is outrageous. Agreed. That's uh, like as bad as Michigan fans like saying the officiating cost them the game. Agreed. With that being said, I'm not – I mean, yeah, I get it. Purdue beats a bunch of top teams, whatever. I think Michigan State is more talented. I don't think that they're going to have the um, letdown spot. I think this team is now, if anything, more focused with the fact that they have a chance to be 10-0 and after this game and then Maryland and then playing Ohio State for probably the Big Ten East. So I think – they're more focused than ever, and I think they win 30, 28 to 17. I don't, I'm not afraid of Purdue's offense. I think their defense is pretty solid, but not solid enough to stop Kenneth Walker. I don't think anyone can really stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Mm-hmm. And then when you do contain Alex, him, he cuts back. Ugh, what do you need to say that stuff? <laughs> I mean, I haven't had a prediction wrong this postseason. <laughs> 
Do not hurt me. Sorry. So I, I don't think what I, Michigan State to win every game. I don't think what I say is going to really affect Michigan State. There's no such thing as jinxes. We don't believe in that. And I, I, that's just what I think. I hate to go back in time, but I do think for the um, loopy Michigan fans, there's like Grant, whatever Grant's <laughs> takes on the officiating of the game. Did some parts of it suck? Yeah, but like that didn't cost you the game. And if you're out here saying that Michigan, I saw you said that Arkon fan side. If you think that Michigan lost a game because of refs, you should leave the fan base and go root for like Tennessee or something. Like I'd rather you never talk about Michigan football again because I'll say this on the like that strip sack of Peyton Thorne, I think should have stood and it should have been a touchdown. But again, like I don't think that changed the entire game. Like, they still got a field goal, so you're talking about four points, so maybe you're talking about overtime, but that's not how college football works. Things don't work like that. So, yeah, that should have. And then I would equate, like, the six reviews. People are like, oh, six reviews, never went Michigan away. Yeah, but, like, they made two of them were, like, clear catches. I forget all of them, but, like, they weren't. Though the Kenneth Walker touchdown, that was a touchdown. It's like the only thing I would equate the six reviews was, Alex, you'll love this, is sometimes after we record the show, more often than not, about 75%. I don't think so tonight because I'm a little buzzed. Alex and I will go to Taco Bell and we'll go try to get some food. And we'll go to the Taco That's Bell. Great. And imagine this. You pull up to the Taco Bell and it's closed. You're like, oh, no, we got to go to another Taco Bell. Well, imagine if you do that six times in a row. That's what it felt like with the reviews. That like is it's, a wild. It's not, the end of the, it's not the end of the world. It does suck when it happens, but it's not why, like, you're ultimately depressed because you're trying to go to Taco Bell at 1030. It's your own fault. It's not like the review's fault. You're just like, oh, well, here we go again. It's closed. Like, it's like, it's not why you lost. It just sucked. That's all my thoughts on the officiating of the game. Um, so, previews of the games. Is it almost, I, you know, the more I look at this, I really don't think, like, Purdue's that good of a team. <laughs> That's what I just told you. <laughs> oh, no, I've not. You just team. said it. They, they lost to your team. What'd you see? What'd you see that made you think that way? They beat Wait, their efficiency on offense isn't that good. Their Thorn has better stats than their starting QB, and they throw the ball more. Um, they, they can't run the ball. They what? give up more rushing yards per game than Michigan State does. I said all they've just improved better defensively than what they were like the past couple of years. So like a lot of their games are just closer. They scored um, thirteen they points against Minnesota last year. They, they have they haven't scored over. 29 they haven't scored over 24 points in their last four days they have like That's i guess enough. the only thing that worries you is on offense like if david bell just has like a david bell game like they do have a game breaker like that can just mess you up on a post route or something or like when um rondale moore had a big game it's ohio state like he's solid like he could just have a game but like it's like yeah is their defense gonna hold up enough to make that be a difference probably not so I mean, Wisconsin boat raced them. But also, you have to factor in that Michigan State could look like zombies coming out because they are going to be a little hungover. And now it's on the road. It's not a night game, but it's going to turn into a night game in the second half or late in the second. Um, and I, there's something about it because people say you don't win. You don't walk into Hawkeye Stadium. Hawkeye? Kinnick Stadium. Kinnick, yeah. You don't walk into Kinnick Stadium and win. And it's like the same... Ross Aid Stadium. Yeah, it's like the same feeling with like you going to Purdue and the same stuff could happen. Yeah, Michigan. I mean, as for Ohio State, I mean, Michigan State, their 2015 year escaped there barely. Yeah. I mean, Evan, so they, they beat Illinois 13 to 9. They lost correct. at home to I Minnesota. But Illinois beat Penn State, who almost beat Ohio State. So, bam. They lost bam. at home to Wisconsin by 
over two touchdowns. Well, I will be in attendance screaming my head off. Maybe that will affect the outcome of the game. Honestly, who does- Adrian Martinez blew it for them. If you got you guys should really, I promise, go back, just watch the highlights of that game. Adrian Martinez rolls to his left and tries to throw a shuffle pass like seven yards. It's like the easiest That's Adrian Martinez, though. Um, they blew that game. This is what I would say, and honestly, like I hate it. I don't hate to say it because like unbiased Grant. Kenneth Walker is like one of the sweetest dudes ever. I was listening to his post-game press conference. He just seemed so humble. Awesome he was like giggling. He was like one of those reporters was like, tell us how excited you are. I was like, I'm, I'm kind of shy. Like I'll just let the play do for its talking. Like just the most wholesome, humble guy. I don't think Kenneth Walker overlooks games like this. And I think going back to Evans Key is starting fast. Like you almost need Kenneth Walker to be in his bag, like in a Northwestern game and kind of, because Northwestern and Ross A Stadium are very similar to me, where they're like these gross Big Ten stadiums where like you don't get up to play. If Kenneth Walker comes to play and starts punishing people early, I think Michigan State will roll because it'll open up the passing game. Um, I think because we talked about it earlier in the show about it, I think it'll be interesting to see how the uh, I'm guessing lack of Jalen Naylor will happen. I don't know. We don't know yet. College football, they don't have to tell you. Sounds like a broken finger. I'm guessing he won't be in the game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the passing game looks without him. Do Who steps up? Do you just see more Trey Mosley? Do you see more Tyler Hunt? Who knows? But I think if Kenneth Walker, um, I don't think that's a kid that like has let down spots. He's just a beast. I still don't know how like Wake Forest was just like, didn't try to keep him. I, I don't, but they're undefeated. I don't know. Scheme. But uh, scheme. Like, what, what do you mean about scheme? Like, they, they don't. Kenneth wanted to leave because they didn't run a pro-style offense and – he thought he would fit better in a pro-style offense, a.k.a. Michigan State, and it seems to work out. Um, but if Kenneth is on his game early in the game, it won't be that much of a problem for Michigan State. I just think it'll be a slow start. The life will get sucked out of you, but you'll. I think Michigan State will still win, like I said. Um, very last thing before we really close this puppy out was the boys went to Ford Field. Uh, I think we all agree that the 0-17 jokes are like kind of becoming real. Uh, we talked about – I said this was a must-win for the Lions. But actually, now that you think about the like path of the Lions season is super clear. If they're playing a good team, like a perceived as good team, they show up and they that team that they're playing probably like takes them lightly because it's like, oh, it's the Lions. They play them tough. And then they get these kind of crap teams like Chicago and Philly, the teams that are fighting for something, they look bad. So it's like every other week there's a like, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. This was gross. This was disgusting. Um, now that I have my full eyes on this team in person, I'm more mad at the coaching staff for the decisions they made. Like, just again, I kept reiterating with you guys that Amonra St. Brown makes good plays and then they just take him off the field and put in Kabinda and Tommy Kennedy. It's like, I understand that we are tanking, but like, why is Amonra should be playing 85% of snaps to 90%, like any good wide receiver in the NFL does. And I'm just going to, like, and even they take out Hawkinson sometimes. I'm gonna harpoon on that. I don't. The defense is. I don't know. They didn't. They they limited Jalen Hurts passing, but they just look so terrible every other way. And I'll say this with Evan. Evan and I booed hard, and it felt good. And I don't. I kind of felt guilty in the moment, but oh, I'm like, great. I don't feel felt bad about great. it. Um, what did you guys? I don't know. Anything else you guys felt from that? Just the worst football game I've ever been to. Following the best game you've probably been to. It was. It was. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was one of the worst games ever. The Lions are horrible, and I'm comfortable sitting here telling you guys that uh, the Lions are going 0-17. Comfortable. 
Tell me otherwise. Tank for Thibodeau. Um, I will buy a Thibodeau jersey. Yeah, because you have to burn the one, the current one that you yep. had. Um, Maybe I I'll try to resell it for season. I can't wait till it's the off season and we just one episode. It's kind of down in sports, and we just go back in our vods and we just do terrible take podcast show. And most of them's gonna be you trying to back Jared Goff. Hey, Grant was backing him too. You can't just put that all on me. Most of it was you backing Jared Goff and the, the laughable. Hey, we can recycle thing. your bad takes too. If you go, want. go ahead, try to find them. I got one. <laughs> Kenneth Walker's gonna be a third down back. <laughs> yeah, let's recycle that. Well, you know, okay, good. Both of he you guys, third down back. Anthony, he's off the yeah, you're not off the hook either. Anthony Russo would be starter away. Oh, he's too busy getting DWIs. <laughs> Well, Mel Tucker did say he's our backup QB this week, so that's a positive. He's back. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> what are my bad takes? You've got plenty. What bad takes? Plenty. You said Michigan State football wouldn't finish in the top four in the Big Ten East. That was a Eat that it. was a side comment. I didn't Eat say it. Pod. Eat it. Oh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, Jared Goff is not the answer, and like no. the yeah, Jared Goff. Um, <laughs> do I mean to say that? I mean, I looked at Evan in the game. I go, I said out loud, just, I kind of feel bad for Jared. And Evan goes, I don't. like it. <laughs> And he's right. He's we, not. Sh- we shouldn't. He's making millions of dollars. He he's throws got, the ball away on fourth a, down. He's got a very pretty girlfriend, fiance, whatever. Like, I shouldn't not feel pretty. Bad. More than pretty. <laughs> okay. I stood up and screamed at Jared Goff in words that I cannot repeat on this podcast of how irate I was when he threw the ball away on fourth down. That's um, not the first time he's done that. This year. No, the funniest part about that play, guys, uh, all Lions fans know when he threw it away, is that Evan said it'd be so funny if he threw it away here. Like, you spoke it into existence. And he came out later and said the ball slipped out of his hands, his baby hands. I, I think he, <laughs> he threw it away. Um, I would God, say this, Evan, sucks. I wish you were there for the beginning of it, but, like, when the when the we want blow chance erupted fourth field, it was you could hear them on TV. It was surreal because we were by the cameras. So apparently, you could hear them on TV. We want well, I, I Twitter searched it too. Like, can people hear? There's the, uh, the guy that's behind us that uh, put the box on his head and carved <laughs> out the like the frowny face. He has he has a picture of the article in Detroit. I'm pretty sure it's Detroit Free Press or M Live. The guy right behind us. He's like the front with page the, with like the thing. Article. He caught the t-shirt. you could see you could see Cody's hat. The Michigan State hat right next to it. We're blocked out because of people standing up in front of us, but that guy's all over it. Um, and then the last thing, too, I remember, like, toward the end of the game, because we stayed because we were, we were bored. And it was almost comical. It was actually kind of fun because of how bad it yes. was. But there was this lady behind us. I want to talk to you guys, but she was right behind us. She's like, oh, my God, throw it. Get rid of it. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, why do you care this much? This late in the game is Jared Goff. He's not getting rid of the ball. He's taking a sack. Yeah, she was annoying. <laughs> um. Also, too, part of my take made a great point today. They were talking about the Lions-Eagles game. They go, yeah, well, if you're a Lions fan, let's just – Big Haggles, let's just hope you're a Michigan State fan, too, because then it's fine. Because, but if you're a Michigan fan, boy, that was a bad weekend. <laughs> I felt that deep. And I thought about you guys, but, you know, at least you – basically what I'm saying is this is a college football podcast until uh, we get into the thick of college basketball season because there's not much else to talk about. Yeah, and with that, cheers. <laughs> college basketball starts next week. Cheers, Cheers to, to that. Michigan State football. Chug your whiskey. And Michigan State playing Kansas and inevitably losing in the Champions Classic to start. No, that one guy got a DUI. And the overreactions. Cheers. Cheers to my team. One bloodbath.